Welcome, everyone, to a fresh episode of Draft on Tap with Danny Shimon. My name is Aldo Gandia. Danny, we always say that draft time is like Christmas, right? For me, it is. Yeah, for sure. Well, and so I got you a present. I got you <laughs> Greg Gabriel, who is the Santa Claus. And by the way, I just lost my other guest, Eric Headholm. It's probably the computer gave up. So let's bring in Santa now. <laughs> you mean Eric went away already? Eric went away. <laughs> I said something about Christmas and he probably forgot his Christmas wish list or something. But he'll join us back uh, any any second. Greg, welcome to Draft on Tap. I think this is the first time you've been on this particular show. Maybe not. Maybe you were on it a few years ago. No, no it's for, I'm a rookie. There you go. <laughs> what took so long, Greg? I don't know. <laughs> you know it's always out there. While we wait for Eric, I, I'd love for you guys to share the story about how the two of you right. met. Uh, so, Danny, why don't you start with how you, you met Greg Gabriel? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it was Greg was teaching a, a class, scouting class at the National Football Post back then. I don't think that site's still around anymore. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I saw an opportunity to to learn from Greg and and uh, and, and you know take a class with him. Um, you know, that was Greg, that class we had downtown, right? Yep. That was in downtown. Of a weekend. Yeah, that was a lot yep. of fun. That, that was tremendous. I mean, I mean, the, the knowledge and, and, and you know, uh, that Greg passed on to all of us in the class and, you know, breaking down prospects, positions and all that stuff. So it, it was it was an eye opening thing. And I was like, for me, it was like a, you know, like I said, I was like just sitting there, just like listening to him just break down prospects and tell stories was, was phenomenal. But Eric's back. Hey, Eric. All right, guys. I don't know what happened. Technical difficulties. I apologize. Did, did, so, did, did what a great. Your, huh? Did you pay your internet bill yet, or <laughs> no? That... And that may be the yeah. issue. I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> we'll have to do that after the show. We got a commitment here, so we're, we're talking football. Yeah, yeah well, well, TV star. We, we saw you on NFL Network and interviewing players. You got the cameo out there. I mean, you gotta be able to pay that, Eric. Pay that bill, man. Come on, Eric. <laughs> I'll do my best. Exactly. <laughs> And Eric, so you're at NFL.com, your NFL power rankings. I see them all the time when I, I watch NFL Network religiously. And so it's always scroll, scrolling it. on the lower yeah. part of the screen and your articles for uh, the website. And uh, and as we talked about last year when you were here, we are just awaiting the time where you're going to be a part of the cast of Good Morning Football or one of their other premiere shows uh, because you are uh, great not only on camera, but uh, writing as well. So I've I've uh, lathered you guys up enough. The three yes. of you guys take it away and talk football, okay? I appreciate <laughs> that. Very good. kind I, of you. I got to say one thing. I can attest sure. to what Aldo was saying because, I, you know, I worked with Eric for a few We did years work at together. Pro, at Pro Football Weekly. And on top, he's a wonderful writer. He knows the stuff. He's got great connections. And on top of that, he's a good guy. I well, all those things apply to you, Greg. I enjoyed our time together. It wasn't quite long enough, in my opinion, but uh, glad we continue to be well, friends. We had fun. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's what matters. Uh, and for me, I mean, you guys are two my my two favorite guests, right? In terms of Eric, I always every year we, we hit you up and we talk about NFL draft, and obviously, uh, Greg and I go go way back. And Greg, yep. we were just talking before you jump back in there, Eric. Uh, Greg was the first person I talked about a scout. I mean, I, I took a couple of classes with him, and I, uh, you know he's been like my mentor to me in terms of like, you know, breaking down prospects and, and all the stories and, and how draft room works and the process and all that stuff. So this to me is an honor guys. Thank you both for, for jumping on and, and, and giving us some of your time tonight. I know well, our audience. Is to be honest, Danny, I wanted to have 
Eric on within the next couple of weeks, but you just stole him. So now I can't. So I'm going to have to wait a little bit. <laughs> we get him every I, year. If you guys keep buttering me up, I'll come on, I don't know about weekly, but I would come often, you know. <laughs> so, well, obviously, uh, you know, the senior bowl was this past week. I know Eric here down there. Uh, yep. And then, you know, uh, some some of the prospects that they're coming in, coming into the game, there, there are some, some bigger names there. And I think some, some players shined. Uh, yep. and, and some players, I think, you know, maybe it might disappoint a little bit, but then there are some players, as, as always, and I think, again, my hats off to Jim Nagy and his staff. They do a phenomenal job of getting these players, prospects from all over the world, all types of all types of conferences, brings them in and, and just kind of showcases them. And, and you know, being there firsthand, you know, a couple of the guys that you, you know, right away said, you know what, these guys just, just hit, hit it out, out of the park in terms of, you know, getting their stock, uh, their draft stock up and, and, and rising there. Who are a couple of guys that kind of stuck off for you there in Mobile? Yeah, and you're right about the job that that Jim does, and and all the uh, the game directors, especially in this era, it feels like there's maybe a little bit less importance on the game as there there once was. Not every team sends uh, a full staff or very many people at all. I mean, like I didn't see any Rams people there. I didn't. The Rams see a lot. don't send the Rams send a couple guys to interview. Yep, and then Teddy Monaco lives in in Birmingham, so right. Teddy drives down. Yeah, it's a day um, but, trip. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, but they don't. Th their main scouting department is already, you know, getting ready for the draft and doing stuff and meetings. And I, I talked to. Or I didn't talk. We had a uh, a text message conversation yeah. just yesterday. You know, Teddy and and uh, but they do not put an emphasis on the bowl games at all. They're probably one of the the few teams that are like that, they don't send, they didn't send anybody to East West either, except yep. for like two guys who a lot of times aren't scouts or office guys to sit out and, and interview players. And that's just yep. their philosophy. And, and, and the one thing, you know, like I saw on, on a site um, yesterday or a tweet yesterday, it said like, well, you know, Roman Wilson, the wide receiver had such a good week. He's rising up draft boards. And anytime I see that, I just laugh. Because yeah. that does not happen. And uh, right. you hear it from the media, and you'll hear it at the combine in, in a few weeks, too. Somebody's going to run faster than you thought, and all of a sudden he jumped two rounds. And <laughs> it, 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 that's not the way it works. Right. You know, what happens is it, does, it creates a little buzz, but it, it means if, if a guy works out at the combine and he does a lot better than expected, or a guy – jumps out at an all-star game, looks better than expected, then that tells you, well, maybe we got to go back and look at a little more tape here. Right. Make sure we got the right grade. And a lot of yep. times when you go back and you look at the tape, the grade that you had was the right grade. You know, the guy had a good week. Where that is different is if you get a kid from an FCS level school sure. or, you know, a Division two school or whatever, and he comes into the game and shows he can compete against the big boys – then that helps him because that's the only time you're ever going to see him against the better competition. Right. And and that's another element that's different now. I mean, we saw some kids down there. There was uh, Dylan Lobby, the running back from UNH, who had a real nice week, met his parents. I grew up in New Hampshire or in uh, New England, I should say, and uh, not too far from UNH and had some friends who played sports there. So we had a lot to talk about, but, you know, impressive kid. But if you look at the rosters, uh, most of those FCS kids have used the transfer portal to go to bigger schools. They did that last year, you know, whatever. Right. I mean, 
you're just seeing fewer and fewer of those small school kids there each year. I know, you know, Kyle Duggar, and we still have those, those guys who uh, go down there and, and end up going high. But as the portal becomes more widespread in use, that becomes less, uh, um, you know, uh, common. So, but yeah, to your original question about who did well, I, I agree with Greg. I mean, I don't know what the number is, but I always feel like there are maybe a, a half a dozen guys that, change the narrative in a positive direction and maybe about a half a dozen who, you know, are on the other end of the spectrum, but really, you know, there, there isn't a whole lot of movement from there, but I think a lot of the GMs and, and, you know, and some of the scouting directors want to check some names off the list. They haven't seen a, a certain player uh, in person, or, you know, there's a particularly good position that might be one that they're considering using, you know, a draft, a high pick on, you know, like Mike Tomlin always parks himself, in front of one position and, it, and it's almost guaranteed they're going to use a first, second or third round pick on that spot. And he was looking at the O line and D line. And in, you know, last year or two years ago, I guess it was the quarterbacks and he was watching Kenny Pickett and he was watching uh, Malik Willis and all these other guys. So, you know, you do kind of pick up on some uh, tendencies and things like that, but I'm, I'm in agreement with Greg in that, you know, Roman Wilson may go 20 picks higher than he did, you know, pre-Super uh, Senior Bowl, but uh, you know, we're talking two, three round jump. I just, it would take a very exceptional case, I think, a very, very unusual set of circumstances for something like that to happen. But well, yeah. uh, on top, on, on top of having a good Senior Bowl, a player like that's got to follow it up with a strong combine. There you go. So let's right. let's say he goes to the combine and he runs four, five, seven. Well, all the good things he did at the Senior Bowl just went down the drain because yep. he's not fast enough. Now, he'll have a makeup test in his pro day and, you know, get a chance to run again, and that can help some guys. I've seen it happen. Uh, a perfect example, Devin Hester. Devin Hester yeah. did not run Devin Hester's speed at the end. By the way, I hope he gets in the hall tomorrow. Uh, yep. But anyway, he did not run like Devin Hester runs at the combine. He ran like in the high four fours or something. So Miami had their pro day like the following week after the combine. So there really okay. wasn't a period for him to get ready, but it was, it was on a Saturday. It was a real hot day. They were worked out outside on grass and he runs like a four, three, three on grass twice. And it's like, <laughs> okay, that's what we thought he could do. Yeah. You know, and, but, and sometimes with the kids from those Southern schools, they come up to India and it's a little colder and they just, you know, they're, they're just not going to work out as well as they would had it been in a, in a warmer climate, but yep. you got to expect that. So, but it, it, again, you know, like, like with Wilson, he, if you're going to jump out, you better jump out twice. You got to jump out at the combine because especially at that position, because it's a stopwatch driven position. And even break it down to, days of the combine. I mean, I thought Wilson was spectacular day one. So was Lab McConkey. I don't know that they had quite as loud a day in one Wednesday or Thursday, you know, right. that I saw at least. So, you know, again, I mean, I thought both of them looked terrific. You know, there, there were some nerves that first day. There always are guys are kind of sizing everybody up, but um, those guys, I think helped themselves on, on the whole. Um you know, uh, the, the, uh, the other Michigan, I mean, Michigan, the other Georgia receiver, uh, Rosemi Jack Saint, uh, 
Jackson, you know, Jackson. that's a player, and again, like McConkie, you know, who's missed some time with injury and, you know, you want to see them. It's another opportunity to get some tape out there if they don't have a full body of work or, you know, maybe there was a suspension for other players, something like that. So, you know, especially players who missed a chunk of the season or had a history of injuries, I think it's it's nice to see them go down there and compete. And he did pretty well down there as well. And uh, Or a player, for instance, like Theo Johnson, the tight end mm-hmm. out of Penn State. He's really Penn State's number two tight end. And so you, there's this guy off the, the hoof, looks tremendous. He's like 6'6", 258 or something. I forget the exact measurement. You know, vines for arms, built exactly like, you, like you'd build in a lab. Um, but to this point, he'd been more athletic hype and potential than anything else. And he went down there, and there were like three tight ends on each roster. So they got a ton of reps. He played in the game. You know, I mean, that's that's a good week for Theo Johnson. He, he may not be as sexy a name as some other ones, but maybe he's a day two pick now, you know, based on just athletic upside. So there's so much to, that you can parse through this stuff. I mean, winners and losers. Tyler Guyton looked really good. He hasn't played a lot of football. Um, Austin Booker, the I, I pass rusher. Tyler Guyton. Yeah, tell us a Guyton story. Well, I did him during the summer because, I, you know, I do some work for some agents and, and – yep. Part of that, I, I've done like 350 guys for this draft, and he's one of the guys I did. So, but I did him early. So I put on the tape, and I'm like, "This guy is freaking awful." I mean, awful, awful. And yep. I write up the little report. I know I said back. I said I wouldn't even want this guy as a free agent. That's how <laughs> bad he was. Yeah. And then he turned around. You know, he got got to play this year. He got better all the time. But by the end of the season. I was a hell of a football player, you know. Yeah. That that could, you know what happens? You, you you get a chance to play, you develop your skills, and that will happen to some player. I'm, guy, it happened to was Lane Johnson. Yeah, Lane that's Johnson a good. That's a great was call. One year, because uh, I was working for Philly that year. You know, he was only one year offensive tackle in, in college. He was a tight end before that. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, and, and guy was down, a defensive guy was defensive well, tackle at TCU. Remember, Guyton was a defense tackle at TCU originally. Then he transferred right. to Oklahoma, and I was playing right tackle. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Greg. He, he didn't look too good uh, prior to last season. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 uh, yeah. He was one of the guys that intrigued me based on how he played. But then Darius Robinson ate his lunch on a couple reps, you know, and he was a big winner. Yeah, this you had to get that Mizzou guy in, didn't you? Yep. Yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to the Mizzou hoodie. It's a chilly in here. This is the, the closest sweatshirt I had. I mean, you know. <laughs> I saw the Mizzou jersey a hoodie. I'm like, oh, we got to touch about Darius Robinson because I think, you know, talking about early what you guys said about guys that go there and show they can be, they belong and, and maybe maybe prove to, to themselves or to scouts that, they, you know, they can play to themselves. I think Darius Robinson was the one guy that, I think he dominated the 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 positional drills, the one on ones, and even even the the team phases. I think he's a guy that that could possibly now, you know, he was a probably a, a was a second round pick. Maybe now he's in the bottom of that half of the first round. I think he helped himself tremendously, and I think Quinion Mitchell from Toledo, you know, yep. a guy that, that I think came in there again, another guy that that was highly rated coming into the to, to the Senior Bowl. But I think he proved that he belonged there as well. So curious, yeah. you, you guys, both Greg and and Eric, your thoughts on Quinion Mitchell and and Robinson. I'll give quick thoughts on both guys. On on Mitchell, I had talked to a director. I tweeted about him. You can look when it was. I want to say it was maybe like early November. I can't remember exactly when. But, um, you know, I was talking to somebody who was on the road. Who have you seen? Who are you going to see? Blah, blah, blah. And 
his name came up and, and I had, I'd only heard it, you know, knew it in passing at that point. And, um, you know, I knew he was an NFL prospect, but not much more than that. And he's saying, I, you know, I'm telling you like late first, early second at that point. And I thought, wow. Okay. So he's saying he's a top 50 pick then. And I think, you know, the consensus is even higher now and he could even crack the, you know, the top 20 or 25. I mean, I thought, you know, he stood up and really was, if not the best defensive player in Mobile than Robinson was. And um, he got beat one time and it was on uh, the Roman Wilson catching that little out pattern at the end of practice on Tuesday. And, you know, it was like not even a great throw. It was a great adjustment by Wilson. And, and it was the one time Mitchell slipped in coverage that I saw anyway. Um, Robinson's intriguing because, I mean, he really kind of came on this season. He told me he considered coming out last year. Um, you know, so did Javon Foster and, you know, uh, offensive tackle from Mizzou. And Foster was the one guy this week who seemed to kind of consistently give Robinson trouble. And guess what? They've been going up against each other for four years. So right. I'm sure that had a little something to do with it. But, uh, you know, in years past, what I had noticed with Robinson was a little bit of a slow get off that improved in a big way. And he was timing up the snap beautifully. I think he had one off sides in those one-on-ones, but you know, I mean, everybody jumps off at some point. Well, like me, we said with, with, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you think he plays? I think position? he's, he can play a five technique. Right. He could play as like a base end and he can kick inside on third downs. I mean, I, they played him as as like a kind of a straight up four three end all week at practice and in, in the team uh, stuff and in the the one on ones. I mean, he was. I thought was doing like the Cam, old Cam Jordan when he was coming out of Cal and you know with the Saints, you know, similar size. He probably a little yes. bit bigger than Jordan was, and and that <laughs> might be crazy. fair. You know, now you, again, you, you want to follow up that with okay what what are the real measurables when he gets to indy what can he run what's his 10 what's his 20 what's his 40 what's yep. his explosiveness in in the jumps you know that, that's all important so you gotta it's it's putting a situation like putting back to back things together you know yep. i think that's that's really important because if you if you get an a on one test and you get a c minus in another then you know you're, you're treading water uh, yeah. I mean, I think to this point, he had a real nice senior season where he just seemed to get better almost every month. You know, every every group of games that you watch, it just felt like he was more and more assertive. And just when you thought, OK, this is just a power end. No, he's got some finesse and quickness. So, I mean, he he's answered a lot of the the tape questions that that may have existed i mean his sack numbers were not gaudy right i mean they had you know i think he was around eight nine this year or something like that half, but yeah. but yeah so he lived in the backfield though you saw him bat down some passes i mean you saw him really kind of disruptive and um but yeah he's an interesting guy i mean i think he can play in almost any front but i i, I assume there will be a spot where he's a little bit more comfortable um than the others yeah see great your- for, for the bears specifically or robinson like I can see him playing opposite of Montez Sweat, but I think he's he's similar in terms of Montez Sweat. I I would like to see some more quicker, more twitchier opposite of Montez Sweat. Do you agree with well, that, a speed guy? Sweat plays mostly the left side, right. and where you want that little bigger, bulkier type guy, and so he would be similar to that because I don't I, see. I agree with you. They want 
a more explosive, long, you know, four, six guy coming off, you know, the opposite of, of what the sweat is playing on the right side. That's in a perfect world. But, you know, they've got guys like Robinson already. So it, it's what they don't have is that real. they were hoping um, and Gakwe was he's dinged up a little bit for part of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they brought him back uh, on a similar type deal. But I, you know, I, I'm almost positive that if if with one of those first round picks they're going to take, obviously it's not going to be the, the first one. But with with the first round pick, because they don't have a second, unless they trade out and pick up a second, they're going to take an edge. They just that's the one important position that Poles hasn't drafted yet. And, and Danny, you know the guy I mentioned before. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on no, you no, there, but um, the guy whose name I sort of dropped in there earlier when when Greg was describing that kind of longer, twitchier guy, Austin Booker. Booker is the name you want to get. Yep. Get on people. I'm just, I'm just throwing him out. I'm a zoo guy. He's Kansas. So like, right. you know, if, if I like him right now, I'm kidding. I, I, I don't, yeah. you know, I'm having fun with it, but yeah, I mean, for a guy with like 600 college snaps or something, there it is. I mean, he's got almost he a backup in Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and then transfers, transfers to, to um, KU. Uh, Kansas. Now I watched yeah. every, every Kansas game that was on, I watched only because Ballard's son was the backup quarterback, ended up starting two games. So as, as a true freshman. So I wanted to see if because I've known Cole since he's been like four or five years old. So I wanted to uh, yep. you know watch him. So anyway, this guy starts jumping out. Oh, yeah. And so I, I call Chris, I go, what do you know about this guy? <laughs> and he goes, Cole said he's pretty good. He goes, he goes, but he's gonna stay in school. You know, he needs to play. He goes, that was the word. You know, I would say this was in November, but things yeah. change because uh, right. he's got some explosiveness. He does get a little bit tall. Now, yeah. on TV, you saw him in person. I haven't seen him in person. On TV, he looks from the knees down. He's got real thin legs. Is yep. that, yeah, and, and that bothers me a little bit. You know, yep. how big can he get? Uh, and he does play a little bit tall, but he's got a burst coming off blocks. He uses his hands pretty good. And he's got a great motor. Yeah, and he's got a spin move, a nice spin move that he showed. He showed a verse. Yeah. I seen him versus Texas, and he showed, showed it in the uh, the one on ones as well in terms of his ability. But yeah, he's a guy that uh, Greg, I agree with you. He's he's real thin to be a, a down in and down out defensive end. But I think he's a guy that can come in and, and be a come I mean, half, half the time they play nickel anyway under Eberflus, right? So like what sixty five right. seventy percent of the time he could be a nice situational rusher. And again, developing guy. He's only a redshirt sophomore. Um, you know, I, I think he's a guy you, you develop, you train, and he's only going to get better. But yeah, I think his length, his ability to shock. With his hands, especially yes. like a couple of times, he caught Christian Jones like you know running, you know walking back into, the, into the backfield. So, yep. so I think he's a guy to keep an eye on in terms of that. Now, Greg, you touched on the number nine pick with the Bears and and Edge, and I think you know my top guy, and I think he a guy you like as well is is Latu out of UCLA. Obviously, I, I think this kid, hand wise, technician wise, motor wise, getting back, getting at the pass rusher, uh, is is one of the the better edges in in this entire class. My big thing, and is, and I think no one can actually answer this question up until we get to the combine. But is is that medical? You know, obviously right. you know, Washington played two years, was forced to retire. Now I saw an interview where he said, and "Eric, I'm not sure if you talked to him or not, but he said he just got a stinger 
and then the the doctors at Washington made him retire. Is, is, is that? Can you add some more context to that story, or, or do you have any information on that? Yeah, it's almost like the Jalen Phillips situation a little bit, you know, where we like there was a point where Phillips considered med medically retiring and ended up being a first round pick. And, you know, those questions have been answered. But, yeah, I I did not talk to Latu this week. I did pitch that that as a as an angle. Um, I was mostly doing practice observations and stuff, but but it was something that that was of interest to me. And I never got around to talking to him, but that's going to be the first question I think he he faces in almost every interview is to talk me through what happened. You know, what was the, what were the circumstances? What were the doctors telling you? What, you know, where was your head at and all that stuff? And, you know, to well, find I mean, out. I, I talked to a guy who is a, a Washington alum and, and really it was, you know, he got hurt in like August of 2020 or something. It was during preseason practice. Yep. And, and then, you know, he has a surgery and he still had numbness in his neck for a while, like five months after the surgery, which was probably a little abnormal. But when, yeah. if you got some nerve damage, that can happen. I mean, and, and then it gradually regenerates and comes back. So their doctor said, no, we don't think you should play anymore. And, you know, be it, it was a neck injury. The kid said, yeah, OK, well, then he's starting to feel better. And he's lifting and he's doing all this stuff. So he goes down to UCLA and they, their doctors go, you're good to go. Now, I think the interesting thing and what a lot of a lot of teams will put weight in this is still get down to, you know, as soon as he gets off the bus, they're going to stick him in an MRI. Right. In, in Indy. And, and that's going to be very, very important. But the fact that he's played two straight years, hasn't missed any time, hasn't yep. missed practice time to the best of my knowledge, and the other thing that, that jumps out, and it's a little thing, but you go back and you look at 22 tape, he's got a little, like a, a little tiny collar. It's not like the Phil Villapiano type big round thing, but he's got this little thing that, that protrudes up the back. He didn't have it on this year. Right. And so that, because I was looking for him, he doesn't have that on. And to me, that's another positive. Yep. So it's... Doctors' opinions are just like scouts' evaluations. They're going to change. And I know you know this, Eric. You know, one team may say he's good to go and another team go, and, uh, I don't know, it's a risk. He, he could get paralyzed. Well, hell, you know, I played football for a so long time. So could anybody, right? Yeah, that can happen. It, it's what's the immediate danger, if he, it, being that he's played two straight years without a problem? So I, I know all this is going to jump in here and interrupt our fun uh, pretty soon. So then let me get one more question for each one of you guys. So, so uh, Eric, in, in terms of, you know, the, the bears and, and the needs, and obviously the quarterback is, is a big talk here. Um, you know, whether they stay with Justin, go with, you know, Caleb Williams or however they go at number one, yeah. talking to people down there at the senior bowl, you know, what was the buzz you picked up there in terms of what, obviously it's not final, but just what the feeling or consensus, if you will, was among, the people there in Mobile about what the Bears could do with number one overall. Yeah, I don't remember having a ton of conversations with NFL people, mostly, you know, media friends and stuff like that. Um, uh, one guy who's a, a, a scout who's kind of like Greg, who's, who's seen all the players, works, uh, you know, does some consulting and stuff. And we were kind of talking about it a little bit. But, yeah, it feels like the assumption is, well, they're just going to draft Caleb, aren't they, and trade Justin. So 
Whether that's the case, I don't know. Um, I saw very few Bears people down there, too. I'm sure some were there. I just didn't see any, um, at least none that I knew. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I have any 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 great feel for that right now. I can tell you that, obviously, Washington's a team to watch. He's from there. You know, everyone's going to make the Cliff Kingsbury connection, even if I don't think it's a huge deal. But optically, you know, from the outside, it's hard not to think that if Ryan Poles wants to to trade the pick, he's got a buyer, right? He's now has every card in the deck he can play. And I think it's a good thing right. from a, from a bear standpoint of flexibility, but I'm just going to say this. I mean, cause I'm on, I don't think they take the guy. I mean, that's my own personal opinion. I think they trade the pick it's just information that I have. And, and I'm not going to really share it. That, that just bugs me. And mm. do, do you want to take that? player with with the first pick in the draft so but just leave that alone the only person who really knows what he's going to do right now is polls mm -hmm. okay and, and he doesn't know really what he's going to do because he doesn't have all the information yet and right. he's not going to have all the information for at least another five weeks i mean you know you gotta get month, the yeah. combine then you're going to do I guarantee you with all the quarterbacks are going to do a private workout because pro days with quarterbacks are totally useless. You know, they're just a scripted event to make the guy look good. You got to have a private workout where you go in, you get them on the board, you see how fast he can pick up things. And then you get them on the field to see if you can take it from the board to the field. Uh, and you find out a lot about them. You're spending six or seven hours with them, not, you know, 45 minutes, like a, a pro day workout. So, They'll do that. They'll bring him in. And not just him, I'll probably do all the quarterbacks. I believe they'll take a quarterback. I just don't believe they'll take him. So, hmm. you know, it, it's I, – I think in the end, when you look at the picks they don't have, one being a two, and what they can yeah. replenish by trading just makes too much sense. But so, you I mean, can I be wrong? Of course I could be wrong. But, you know, I, I – I, part of my thinking is, is, is what would I do in this situation? If I was still sitting in there, how, how would I? So, what, I mean, what would my narrative be? If you could double dip, like if meaning you go from one to two or wherever, right? I mean, I'm just for argument's right. sake, let's say you flip picks and you two to seven or something like that or yeah. wherever. Right. Yeah. Right, I mean, right. and if, if you somehow can get a quarterback and you can, trade get the, get a the, one the benefit and get the fields trade whatever you're gonna get for. i mean like i'm just saying like you, there's a scenario where that where that plays out does it happen that's what i don't I wanna, know that's what i want to clarify is is greg you think the bears won't take caleb or you think they won't take a quarterback at all with the number one pick i, mean, say would, Justin, I think they'll take what, a, what i think they'll take a quarterback at some point at a higher point oh. in the draft not necessarily i i personally think Justin Fields is going to be the quarterback this year. Oh, I see. That's, gotcha. why, okay. that's why. That's what I mean, Greg, man. We, we get along because I'm, I'm, we're, we're both Team Justin <laughs> Fields over here. So you're I, saying you I keep get, Fields, get, you draft get, Michael get, Pratt in round three or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, uh, one quick question for both of you guys. Uh, sorry, Aldo. I know I know, you, I knew you were going to come in and interrupt our fun here, but uh, I know that. So uh, <laughs> of the quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl, uh, I, I, I think yeah. – Bo Nix acquitted himself nicely after a rough start. And and, and something yep. about Michael Penix, Jr. I, I know the, the injuries and, and the concern is there, but the way he spins that football, and, and I know his, his lower half is really stiff and it's all, and it's all arm in terms of his throwing motion. Yep. But the way the guy spins the football, the accuracy, 
there's got to be some some team that's going to take a shot on that kid, maybe late first round, early second round. Correct. I I, th- I think it's a, there's a decent chance. I think second round feels more likely in terms of like somewhere where that Will Levis range. If I just had to guess, you know, based on his lengthy injury history too, his age is a little concerning. Not bad. Same age as Joe Burrow when he came out, so it's not like this crazy old man, right? You know, so it's more the injury history. And then, you know, some of the inconsistencies, too. And he played in a great system where, you know, he just got to sit back and sling it to, you know, some some pretty highly rated receivers. He has receivers. some pretty good guys to throw to. Yeah, a good offensive line, too. I mean, they're small, quick, you know, agile guys. And so, I, you know, Penix is fascinating. I thought Spencer Rattler had a nice week down there. Look, he threw a pick day one, and then everything else was pretty darn good. And I, I have my issues with him. I don't think he's perfect. I've always, you know, like the second Caleb Williams took over for him at Oklahoma, it was like, all right, I'm on that dude's train. But at the same time, I'm watching him and saying, I feel like he's come a long way. He's played behind a dog crap offensive line this year. I'm sorry. South Carolina had the worst offensive line in D1, I think, at one point, you know, with all the injuries. I mean, pretty good receiver, though. Yeah, he had Leggett, you know, I mean, he's a good, good number one. But man, I tell you what. He, he took some bullets down there that year and came up to Mobile, and it was like he was just sitting back, making throws, relaxed, poised, good feet, you know, calm feet, good rhythm. I was like, that that's a guy that I want to oh, do more yeah. work on now. That That's the guy who's got the intangibles. Guys, I've got some great news to report, and I want to thank uh, Cynical Chuck here because I can confirm what he is ri- wow. writing here. Wow, so- look at that. <laughs> Sometimes Jason Leisure is saying that uh, Julius Peppers, Devin Hester, and wow. Steve McMichael will be in the Hall of Fame, Incredible according news. to sources telling the Chicago Sometimes this. Uh, first, I got to go to Greg because he's got some uh, – <laughs> Wait, well, how would you say it? money in the game here with those p- particular players? What do you think? Well, the money in the game. Drafted one. That's drafted right. One, yeah. This will be my, if it in fact true, I, I guarantee you, the Hall's pissed off because they don't want this stuff off. You know, I, I sent Pompey a text on Sunday. I go, did you already vote or is the voting this week? He goes, no, the voting's done. You know, and I knew that they were going to announce that the voting was done yeah, a week or so ago, maybe a couple weeks ago. Oh, wow, yeah. And uh, where they used to do it at the side of the – Saturday of the Super yeah, Bowl, yeah. Right. But they they, they did it earlier, um, and I wasn't going to ask them because I know Dan really well, and he wasn't going to tell you either. You know, so um, – and I know another guy, Vic Carucci. Do you know Vic at all, Eric? Sure, Yep. Yeah, nice so yep. I know Vic, and he's a voter, and I wouldn't ask Vic either. I mean, you just there's things you don't do. You don't cross the line. You just wait and and you see. But if in fact it's true, that's the first guy since from my Bears classes. There's there's Giants guys that have been in the hall, but first guy from the Bears classes that I'm involved with that gets in the hall, and that you know that's terrific. I mean, I'm I'm that's happy and obviously. With the situation Steve McMichael is in, you you wanted to see that happen, and, and Julius Peppers. I mean, you know, it, it's not like baseball where you go in as a certain, you know, as a player from a certain team and you choose a team. Football, it's you're going in as the player. But I mean, he deserves it. That guy had a great career. One, yeah. one of the better edge players I've been around. The best is Lawrence Taylor, but uh, Julius just, uh, you know, when we had him for a few years, just a terrific player and a good person too. 
Mm-hmm. Greg, if I remember correctly, you, you tell a great story about about you and Jerry Angel in the draft and when you guys were getting ready to draft Devin Hester. I'm sure you've shared it before on his airways, but for for the draft on tap audience, could you share that story one more time? Well, with- I mean, that whole draft was worked around drafting. That I mean, it was it was planned, and, and we had a first round pick, like 28 or something like that. We traded out. You moved down, right? Yeah. Yeah, we moved down because there were some Tillman? other players we wanted. Um, you know, we ended up taking. Um, oh no, the, the was it Jerry Zuma? No, Danielle. We took and and Danielle Manning. The, Manning. And we took those guys in the second round, and uh, we had you know we we let it be known, you know, four or five days before the draft that that the pick was for sale. You know, we were looking to trade, and that's all you do is you tell them. You know, and I was the guy that called. You know, like. I pick up the phone. We went that we had a lot like a, a line drawn in the sand say we didn't want to go below a certain area. We ended up doing that, but because Indy put together the or not Indy, Buffalo put together the best package. Indy really wanted the pick. Napoleon was pissed. But we we're um you know, I think we had six or seven offers in the minutes leading up to us being on the clock. And it was kind of crazy because Bobby DePaul was taking all the calls. And then and I, I had to end up start taking calls and, and Jerry's taking calls. And it's like, okay, you know, it was just crazy for that few minutes. We finally decided the Buffalo pick was probably the best one with where we could get things accomplished. But then, you know, we we didn't want to take, we wanted to get Manning. We didn't want to take Devin with the very first pick thinking that, you know, he's going to be there for sure. But what happened was, is in between, Tennessee was on the clock. And Tennessee called him and told him they were going to take him. And Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and and what happened was, then uh, Floyd Reese was the GM then. And then they were having a battle in the room, and they ended up taking that fat USC running back. Oh, yeah, yeah. White on yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> I called then, you know, so a few clips later, we're on Devin's there. And I pick up the phone to call Devin. I said, Hey, Devin, how you doing? I said, uh, we're, we're on the clock right now. We're about to make you a Chicago bear. He goes for real. And I go, yeah, why wouldn't it be for real? And he, <laughs> he told me the story about Tennessee. Oh, he says, well, Tennessee told me they were going to take me, and they never took me. I said, Devin, this is for real. For real, for real? Yeah, right. Yep. Oh, wow. These are kind of three, that, in about three cool. more minutes, you're going to be a Chicago Bear. <laughs> I had heard the Patriots were hot that on class with us, and we were all sitting there, just all of us, like, mesmerized at, at some of these some of these tales. Yeah, I, the story I had heard the day before the draft, the first scout that I ever talked to, believe it or not, was actually a Patriot scout. He had been somewhere before when I met him, but he said, "I think Bill's going to draft him." That was that was the, the like the forty eight hours before the draft was that the Patriots were going to take him, and I don't remember where they were picking. I'm guessing the end of round one. So I remember thinking with that late first round pick, I said, "Wouldn't this be the most like Belichick out of left field pick ever?" And they didn't. I don't remember who they got, but yeah, it's crazy that that he was still there, like twenty picks well, later know, we, or whatever. We took him as a DB. I mean, he was right. obviously going to be the return guy. And yep. Lovey went down. The owners' meetings were in what Orlando, I think, that year. But there was some place in Florida that might have been up at the Breakers, but one of the other. 
So Lovey leaves the owners meeting for a day, drives down to Miami, <laughs> works out. They had a, a, a another corner there. I can't think of his name. Seattle took him at like 30. Uh, and so he works out Devin and this kid spent a lot of time with Devin really liked them. And, you know, we decided we're going to make him a corner. And I've just said this on my show. And he was never going to be better than a fourth corner in his career. But because he was down the depth chart, he played receiver on the scout team every day. And then he found out well, guys put corners couldn't cover him because he was so damn fast and so quick. And he was getting open all the time. And he was just, he didn't know how to run a route. He was just doing what they drew up on the card. Uh, And so then they made the decision that year that he's not a a corner anymore. He's going over the other side of the ball. (laughs) Pretty good call. Guys, I I know that you both uh, had other things to do tonight, but I am so psyched that we get this announcement while both of you are on the show and can share your immediate thoughts on it, it's uh, been great. Eric, uh, we've I got you down. All through, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we need confirmation, as we know nowadays. But, Eric, uh, as you said earlier in the show, we'll uh, see you next week and then the week after that and then the week after that and then the week after that. Oh, wait, wait. That wasn't on tape, was it? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> on the internet. I would track everything. No, of course, yeah. I, I'd be happy to stop in before the draft. Talk. We, we I feel like Thank we only you. talked about five guys. So yeah, we got to break down a few more, right? And we, yeah. Once we get sure. in the thick of silly season, and mm-hmm. I can't stand being on social media and everything, I'll, I'll come to you guys. That'll be my one exposure to, to the internet. How about that? You Love it. it. Love and to it. give to do one more shout out, Schrader, the running back, looked pretty good. No. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's good. he's interesting to me. He's like a, you know, he's a 4-6 guy, but he runs through contact and he can I think he's going to improve as a pass catcher. He's a he's a great kid. I mean, works his tail off. They they let him skip practice this year to walk in graduation, you know, how nice, right? Um, well then that night he had written out his own practice script. Nobody knew about this by the way. This was an accidental thing somebody happened to see like why are the stadium lights on? He was out there doing his workout after he'd walked in graduation. I mean, he's just one of these kids, wow. like, you know, so, you know, there's video of it and like, no one knew, you know, what, uh, what was going on. And so finally somebody taped that. Like that's Cody doing practice. He just, he was a, a godsend for Mizzou this year. Unbelievable. You know, if you can, he's just got great vision, great, great balance and uh, contact balance. I mean, just blast through guys and you don't know how he falls forward every time. It's like Emmett Smith. Like you just see him, like he's always falling forward and, it's just an amazing skill to have as a running back. Indeed. So, Eric, uh, we'll uh, see you again before the draft. Uh, Greg, can you hold on just a, a minute? Because i got a, another couple of questions for you. Okay. i got to walk the dog, fellas. Take it easy. Uh, have a great day. All right. Uh, first of all, Greg, uh, a couple of questions came in that I would love to see if you can address. Uh, Vince said, what was it at defensive back that uh, you saw out of Devin Hester where you said, yeah, this – Probably isn't going to work, but we're fine with him just running back kicks. Well, Devin never had a set position when he was at Miami. Mm-hmm. He he played running back. He played wide receiver. He played defensive back. And it was the same thing. It's like the coaches couldn't find the right spot for him. 
the one given was he was the best return man we had all seen in years. And we knew he was going to change field position for us as a return guy. Did we think he was going to turn out the way he did? Hell no. Nobody, you never think that. But I mean, he first game is up in Green Bay and he takes one to the house up in the very first game against the Packers. So, you know, and then it was like every week after that, he, he, he's in, in the, they are who we thought they were game. He, he has a return there. He might have two. Uh, it, it's just, you know, it got to the point. I saw a thing the other day, Marinelli w- was uh, coaching Detroit and he told the kicker, he goes, that's Lake Michigan over there. You kick it there. And that's the only place. Don't even get it near that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. That was funny because I was watching NFL Network uh, today and they were doing a little feature. Uh, and I'm forgetting who the player was. Oh, it was uh, one, a former member of the Chicago Bears. And he was playing special teams. And he shared the story that how uh, they had heard that Dungy all week long was said, we're not going to kick it. To Hester, we're not going to kick it at all to Hester. Well, the night before the game, in order to fire up the players, Dungey said, "Oh, and by the way, we're kicking it to Hester tomorrow." The Colts players go all out while they kick it to Hester, and he runs it back for a touchdown. What a great cool, story! The most exciting the good thing about that game. Yeah. it was all it was all over after that. Yep. Um, I want you to plug what you got going on next week. You've got a very special guest. I'm not sure you're ready to uh, uh, no, share who that is. No, we'll, we'll share it when he confirms the date. It's either okay. going to be Monday or Tuesday. All right. He said he would by the end of the week, and, and you're good with that, right? Either, Absolutely. Either way, it's going to be at 11 o'clock Monday or Tuesday, and uh, he'll be on for half hour. Yeah. And uh, we'll have a good and, time. Danny texted me and says, hey, who's uh, Greg's next guest? Because I want to come in and be a part of the show. <laughs> who's that, Eric? Danny Shimon. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Greg, we'll let you go. Uh, and then I just want to tell the audience, you don't want to miss this show next week with Greg Gabriel and his special guest. Uh, it's going to be a quite the winner, and as are all the shows. Uh, so thanks very much, Greg. We'll talk to you okay. later. Okay, thanks, guys. Greg. See you later. Good thanks, Greg. Thank you. Later. What a moment. What a uh, moment. I was, I mean, I, I knew you were going to jump in any minute there, although, I mean, you're going to ruin my fun because obviously when you see me having fun, you're like, oh, I'm going to stop this thing up. But yeah, I mean, I was sitting there. I could have, I could sat there for another two hours just talking with those two guys. But, well, you know, and, it's, and it seemed like they wanted to too, you know. <laughs> uh, they, they kept right on going, but uh, I know that uh, Eric really does have a dog, so he probably didn't yeah. have to walk the dog. But uh, what a moment in the, that we're on the air when the announcement got, comes. And uh, I want to thank the uh, Rarfly who was in the chat room that uh, uh, revealed the news. And I went ahead and confirmed that Jason Leisure is indeed reporting uh, that Devin Hester, Julius Peppers, and Steve Mongo McMichael will be uh, in the Hall of Fame. And tomorrow at 8 p.m. Central, Dan Aguirre and I, Dan Aguirre, who is basically the historian of uh, uh, the Barroom Network, his knowledge of the Chicago Bears is unparalleled. He and I will be talking about those three players and a lot more football stuff tomorrow. Danny, um, we've got a lot more show left. What I'd like to do is share with the audience 
Jordan Silvera's report on J.J. McCarthy. It's about, uh, I will say, nine, ten minutes long. And then when that's done, you and I will talk about Jordan's thoughts on J.J., the quarterback out of Michigan, and then we'll look at some senior bowl players that you scouted, okay? Sounds good. All right, brother. I'll be the first to say it. I mean, he's one of my favorite prospects in the draft. I've said, and I'm not, it's a nuanced discussion. This does not mean that I'm calling him QB1. But if you were telling me I had to hitch my wagon to one particular quarterback in this class, my favorite, the guy I'd prefer, it would be J.J. McCarthy. And um, understanding that when we're talking about his evaluation, it's incredibly nuanced because he doesn't have as many reps throwing the football. It's a much murkier, noisy evaluation. Um, but to me, when you were talking about games that uh, Michigan did let him kind of throw the ball all over the yard, Michigan State's a good example. McCarthy, patient. Rolls, McCarthy, buying time, fires on the run, he's got it! First down, beautiful throw and catch for Barner, 22 yards. Well, this is what kills you. You get him in the situation you want, and then J.J. McCarthy extends the play, keeps his eyes downfield, and he's been doing this all season. He's been completing over 80% of his passes on third down which is an incredibly high number. This is third and more than 10. Um, you know, some of those earlier games in the season, I'll be the first to say Michigan was playing a cupcake schedule up until the end. So um, earlier in the season, you get a lot of opportunities to see him play and throw. Uh, it, this is an interesting uh, flip side, if you will. If we're talking about 2022, um, one, I mean, Ohio State, he, he demolished Ohio State, he and Donovan Edwards. Um, so that's a good tape. But uh, I know this is going to sound like a weird answer, but to me, I'd go back to the TCU game, uh, his his semifinal college playoff loss, um, where he threw two pick sixes. And you're going, well, why would you tell somebody to go watch that game? Um, and I saw a kid that kind of went through the emotions from start to finish of how do you deal with some of the, the hardest times when you're throwing pick sixes and you're concerned about, am I putting my team out of it? Um, to then having the coaching staff ask him to battle back. Um, in ways that they he had to utilize his legs. Uh, he started, I mean, obviously picked himself back up with the arm where he's, you know, darting 57 air yard throws to Roman Wilson, um, where unfortunately, you know, running back fumbles in the next play. He's got a 40 yard, uh, you know, ball down, down the middle of the crosser um, where he's just one-on-one -on -one ripping a dart there. Um, as it's going right over the DB's hands. So uh, if we're talking last year, because I know a lot of the people, you know, the reality with J.J. McCarthy is people want to talk about, well, he only threw eight times versus Penn State. And, well, you know, he didn't show up uh, particularly well outside of the Ohio State game, which he had two plays, which were phenomenal. But, again, we're talking about you're watching a whole tape of Ohio State this year, and really all you can glean is two reps that are really standout. So um, it does require a lot of time, a lot of nuance, but I think that there are uh, a lot of flashes to J.J. McCarthy's game if you know where you're looking. Um, so I see a guy that has the ability and the strength and the wherewithal to navigate the pocket, to escape out of the pocket. I see a guy that runs roughly 4-5, high 4-4, low 4-5 speed, um, which is always enticing. I think he makes his best plays outside of the pocket. Um, so that's really enticing when you think about the meta of the NFL with so many offenses trying to go to this 
Shanahan scheme, this wide zone. We're going to boot players out, roll them out on nakeds, waggles, and see if we can either give him kind of an option to, you know, escape out the back door or find and create the play after the play, if you will. So the speed's enticing. Uh, I think that you're going to hear a lot of people critique his arm because I, if we're going to be fair, if you will, I don't think he's shown. Now, I don't even know. I wouldn't say it's not there. I just don't think he's had enough opportunity to show uh, the creativity with his arm. You know, you're looking at Caleb Williams or Drake May, and uh, they they have what I would call arm arm arrogance, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, it's the reality of they're you know flicking balls from different angles, dropping arm slots. I don't think you saw JJ McCarthy do that as much, but he's got tape where he's threading 55 plus yard throws, which is more than adequate. I wouldn't tell you it's an elite arm, but I think it's a great arm. As far as accuracy, I mean, he's got an incredible completion percentage, and I don't want to reference too many stats, but um, the reality is every time, and this is kind of now we're slowly starting to morph into that mental makeup, for a guy that didn't get a lot of opportunities, every time he had his bell called, he answered consistently. Um, This is a guy that had an enormous amount of third down conversions when they did rely on him, when all of a sudden, you know, we can't feed it to Blake Corum because everybody knows what we're trying to do. They would weaponize his legs to use read option and get out the back door and he would convert that way. And that's that speed that I'm talking about. Uh, I mean, it, and when we're talking about that mental makeup, this is a guy too that I, as much as I love Drake May and Caleb Williams and Michael Penix and all those other quarterbacks, the one thing that this guy has that they don't is pro style offense experience. This is a quarterback that had to set the protection, that had to ID defenses, that had to operate a under center game, handing off to the running back. All of that also includes the unselfishness of J.J. McCarthy when, you know, the reality is you're playing Penn State's the first big game of the season after a cupcake schedule and understanding that the best way to win is I'm going to hand this ball off. And after every touchdown, after every big play, he's crowning his teammates and they're loving on him. And he's the first guy jumping around and excited to go in and beat Penn State in their house. Um, I see a leader. I see a guy that's mental makeup is incredible. Obviously, we can get into all the different things that he does with his meditation and his mental coach on the sidelines. But Every part of him is invested in the game in a way that I don't necessarily think you may see that as much with a Drake May or Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Jaden Daniels. And uh, so to me, when I think of J.J. McCarthy, it's this is why I've fallen in love with him, although, because it is all of the things character wise that you would hope to expect out of a kid like J.J. McCarthy, out of a quarterback that you're considering making the face of your franchise. As much as you hear me gloating and loving all up on J.J. McCarthy here, um, he's not a perfect prospect. I don't think anybody that enters the NFL is. Uh, I think that he needs to get a little bigger. The frame is a bit of a concern to me. You know, when we're talking about a guy that runs 4-5, that's fantastic. But if you're going to have these 260-pound linebackers that run 4-4 smacking you, um, that's not gonna. That's not gonna hold up well. And we saw that in college. I mean, the reason that nobody really wants to add this nuance into it, they look the box score scalp. That Penn State game where he threw eight passes was because he was hit twice uh, severely by Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac in that Penn State front uh, because his offensive line couldn't block them. They were so explosive off the ball, and he clearly was dealing with a leg injury for you know that that Penn State, that Maryland, and that Ohio State game. And then he had the month to heal up for Alabama. So um, you've seen. I wouldn't say that his durability is a concern because he plays through injury consistently. Something he needs to work on right now is he is a single speed thrower. He doesn't layer the ball very often. He has shown it on his tape. It is there. The Washington throw to Roman Wilson on the crosser was a layered throw. Uh, He's got some layered seam balls to his tight end, Colston Loveland. 
I believe one of them was against Nebraska. Uh, the other was there was one in Michigan State that was dropped. So um, there's layered balls there. He is more of a single speed thrower. He's going to need to develop that, especially as um, you know windows get tighter, defense, defensive backs, d- secondaries are smarter, quicker to break on balls, and he has a tendency. And we talk about arm arrogance. His arm arrogance comes in the form that. I trust my arm to be able to, you know, I have so much gas on my arm that I can just throw it and whiz it through, grip it and rip it anywhere I need to on the field, um, which leads to the next kind of concern with him is he, as much as, and I think this is more of a lack of reps, I think this is more of a, a lack of opportunity to see more complex defenses. Um, he has a, and it is a nasty habit, and this would absolutely concern me, is uh, he does have a uh, an issue with seeing second level defenders getting into the throwing lane. Um, and this is, you know, the the D winners interception versus TCU, the Bowling Green end zone interception. To the end zone, that's intercepted. The Maryland uh, goal line interception. He's got a, quite a few where, and there's plenty too, where the DBs and the linebackers aren't catching it. Uh, but he's got an issue where he will, I wouldn't say it necessarily always comes from locking on routes, but he sees something that he likes, thinks he can throw it. And it's almost, call it laser focus vision, if you will, where I see the DB, I see the receiver. I know I have the arm to get it there. I'm just going to throw it. And it comes from almost a silo view where you're not seeing a linebacker or a nickel or a safety that can come and undercut that ball. Um, so that gets him in trouble. It has gotten him in trouble. Uh, it's, you know, the thing was, and this is the nuance about talking about JJ McCarthy is as much as you're hearing, you know, these trouble areas, I think he threw four interceptions all year. Uh, he takes care of the ball exceptionally well. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, he's got a bit of a fumbling issue. Again, we take care of taking care of the ball, but he does run with the ball a little loose and it's gotten him some trouble and sometimes really the best part of JJ McCarthy is he is a ball of clay right now. Um, not that Caleb Williams or Drake may aren't, but the scouting report or the evaluation on those guys is much clearer. You understand maybe the highs, the ceilings, the floors, the basements. JJ McCarthy is largely an un, you know, a, a gem in the dirt, if you will. Um, you know, a, a, an underground king, somebody that I think has all the room to grow, uh, and that is why I'm so enamored and a fan of his game. Um, Bears fans, I think that JJ McCarthy would be a great option, but admittedly, I don't see that happening. I think there's a better chance that. You know, it's a, it's a it's a Caleb Williams or Drake May. Jordan Savara on JJ McCarthy. Uh, any immediate thoughts, Danny, uh, on JJ after seeing Jordan's report? And thank well, you, yeah, Jordan. I, mean, I think I give credit to Jordan for for. I thought I was going to come out here and just just wax poetic about JJ McCarthy <laughs> and put him, put him in the top half of the first round. So, uh, Jordan, I know you're listening. I know you're you're an avid uh, watch of Jeff on tap. Uh, thank you for for being realistic, my friend. I do appreciate that. And and I, I've been on record saying I like just just off the hoof. I'm not a big JJ McCarthy fan, uh, but I mean, you know, Jordan made some some valid points there, and there's some things I do agree with. Like for example. You know, and I've said it before on on off of the Jeffs on Tap, but it was on on some of the the, the post game shows that that um, scouts like JJ McCarthy. I mean, I've some scouts have told me that they do like him a lot, and and some of the reasons why. And Jordan touched on it. A, they feel like that offense has has held them back. You know, it, it you know he hasn't kind of played to his full potential because of the Harbaugh you know run and pound offense there at Michigan. 
Um, he does come from a, from a pro form system. So he's, he's got the pro, you know, the pro checks, the pro reads. So he, now all, that, all those concepts are not going to be, you know, uh, he says not going to be spinning, you know, day one in, in camp. You know, he's taking snaps from under center. He's called, he's called, you know, the, you know, plays and all that stuff. So there are positives that, you know, height is about going to be about six one six two. He is thin. So that, that isn't, that's something we going to have to add some, some bulk there. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, the stats, you know, the, the yardage, again, going back to the offense, he's never thrown for over 3,000 yards. But, again, is that him? Is that the offense? Um, you know, Roman, Roman Wilson is, is an explosive receiver, you know, but but we haven't even had a chance to see him do much of what he did at Michigan until he got to the senior bowl, and he showed some of his, his, his explosiveness, right? Um, Cornelius Johnson, uh, n- number six, opposite of him, uh, other receiver, you know, went down to the East-West Shrine game and was – killing dbs out there so is that the offense is that jj mccarthy that's a question i have right um you know jordan touched on the fact that you know he's got above, a slightly above average arm strength he doesn't have the he doesn't have the, the, the great gun he does lock in on his receivers right he's a guy that does uh you know tend to try, think he can you know fit, fit it through a keyhole when he doesn't really have that ability um but but again he's he's mobile he's a guy that that, that that's got you know if you want to call that it factor in terms of leadership quality a guy that gets it a local kid here from illinois so if you're thinking about in terms of bringing him in for the bears i, I think he fits this the scheme quite nicely but if you're talking about you know greg touched on it earlier in terms of the bears sticking with justin you know trading that that first pick and then recouping a lot of picks now if you're in a second round and you have a, a you know when you, you want to go take a, a jj mccarthy as a guy you can bring in and develop have Shane Waldron and, and Kerry Joseph, the new quarterback coach, kind of work with them and develop them. You know, I, I, I can see that happening, but you know, a guy as, as in, in terms of you know those first three guys, you know, for me, it's 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 Caleb right now, it's Jaden Daniels, and it's and it's um, Drake May. I, I wouldn't take uh, and, and I and even throwing Bonix and, and Michael Penix Jr. To be honest with you, like I, those those four right there, five, I, I have a little bit higher right now than JJ McCarthy. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's a guy as a developmental, you know, kind of quarterback, sit back there and learn. You know he's got the athletic ability. You know he's, he's he comes from a pro pro style system, and he's got you know some decent size to him. Got to add some weight, but yeah, I mean I, th- I think he's a guy that's got a potential to stick on on the roster and develop, but not not as a day one starter. Yeah, and we'll have uh, we're we're inviting Jordan on to be a guest on the show, and Danny and Jordan can talk more specifically about some of the things regarding JJ McCarthy, and then we're also going to lean on Jordan to do another evaluation or two for us here on uh, Draft on Tap. One last thing about uh, JJ McCarthy before we move on is the whole issue regarding mental health. He um, has said publicly that he went through a a period of deep depression this past year because he really puts a lot of pressure on himself. And two of the names that he brought up when he's talking to the media about this is that he wants to be Michael Jordan. He wants to be Tom Brady. He wants to be great. And when things don't work out, he really gets down on himself. And so now he's into breathing exercises, into meditation and so forth. And so I think that's a real positive. When someone has you know, a mental health pressure uh, situation because they're putting pressure on themselves. It's not good, of course, but that's it's better than, you know, because you were raped as a child or something. I apologize for the extreme example. But, you know, it, 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 he's addressing it. He's talking openly about it to maybe help others about it. So it seems like a very healthy approach to his mental health issue. No, you know, you know pressure – Bust pipes, right? That's they're saying, right? So, and, you know, you know, all these these athletes, you know, whether they're Division One college athletes or, or NFL NFL athletes, you know, there's a lot of pressure on them, and especially that quarterback position where, 
to, to case in point, look at Justin Fields this last year and being peppered all year long in terms of, are you going to be here next year? Are, are, are they going to commit to you? Are you not going to be here? You know, so on and so forth. And, and just, and then on top of that, you know, the mistakes he makes in the games and all that stuff. So it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure. And, and to me, that's not a negative in terms of, you know, you know, JJ McCarthy and, and his, and his mental health coach and all that stuff. I mean, a lot of these teams have coaches, mental health coaches now on staff, you know, to, to help players with, some of the outside pressure, some of that noise, if you will. So that's not a negative for me. Like I, I, I didn't, that didn't even come through my, you know, my, my thought process in terms of, you know, what's going on with this kid and, and how I value him. I value him in, in, on his athletic ability and, and, and his, his play on the field and how he projects at the next level as an NFL starting quarterback. Yeah, and when uh, Jordan and I recorded that, it, uh, he uh, he gave me 16 minutes of great material. So I uh, – edited it down uh and so but i'll post a long version on the barroom network for anyone interested in getting more of jordan's thoughts on uh on jj all right let's move on i want to zero in for the next 20 minutes or more on senior bowl players that you were intrigued by senior bowl players that you've some of them some of these guys you've talked about before but now after watching tape at the senior bowl i'd love for you to share your thoughts on them and i want to start I, I, I want. I just was going to say. I want to start with Brendan Rice. So is that cool? Yeah. So, so I just want to kind of get some context. I, I gave all the list of players that I felt um, did very well. You know, you know, some of these guys that we talked about on, on our on our preview show for the Senior Bowl, guys that that I'm I'm looking to to watch. Some of these guys stood out and did well in, in Mobile. And then the other list I have that we're going to touch base on, and actually Eric already touched on two of those players, were guys that caught my attention and guys that I'm going to do more digging on in terms of film study. And again, these are all within the compass of, of being potential Chicago Bears draftees. Go ahead, Aldo. Brendan Rice is the first player, uh, the USC uh, wide receiver. And if anyone's wondering whether he has a relation to uh, Jerry Rice, yes, he is, of course, uh, Jerry Rice's uh, son. And the numbers are official from the Senior Bowl. He comes in at 60-21, at 6-2.5, I guess. Is that the way to read that, uh, Danny? Yeah, 6-2 six, yeah, six is, is what I go with it. 6 2 2 Yeah, I was and surprised then, at the weight, that 2 That That's a, a bunch of muscle there. Yeah, so so Brendan Rice. Whenever you put on when I was scouting Caleb Williams, you know Brendan Rice was his go-to guy. And there's another receiver actually that ended up that I, that I previewed for the East-West game. Taj Washington had a pretty good game in the East-West yeah. game as well. So you know he's got talented receivers there. And and with with Rice, what I want to see, you know the uh, he was a, a sprinter or, or track guy in high school. I, I I wanted that to translate it at the at this next level. And I think what he showed was that ability to to go ahead and, and be a guy that can get deep on on a on a corner get that over the top leverage but also his physicality i mean there there are times where you saw him going one on ones where he's going up through through a db to make the catch so mm -hmm. the being able to catch through contact was something that rice showed here um he was able to go ahead and, and do a lot of you know, in terms of create separation that's something that you saw there as well in these one on ones here as well down in, in mobile so i think brendan rice really solidified himself you know you know is he going to get in that first round I, I don't know that that's that to be seen i think if he goes out there and he runs a, a blazing 40 uh, like in a, a high in the low four fours, I think he has a chance of going about him after the first round. But he, I think he's he's got a solid second round grade. I mean, top of that second round is is probably where you see Brendan Rice go. But I think he went down there in Mobile. Obviously, the, the great lineage with with Jerry Rice's dad was on hand, and I, I just the physicality at the catch point was where I really stuck out there. 
his ability to create separation from from you know uh, press coverage at the off the line of scrimmage, and again just just had an attitude, had, had this 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 way about him in terms of like, yes, I'm him, and this is what I'm going to do. Um, got into a lot of one on one back and forth with some of the DBs there, so I really liked how he went, you know, held and handled himself, handled his business. I think he really solidified himself as, as a top of the second round kind of receiver, possibly uh, low low end first round, depending on how he runs at the combine. And Danny, we, we were talking about mental health, and he was interviewed by the Buffalo News, I believe, down at the Senior Bowl. And one quote that I remember is he said, uh, pressure is a privilege. And I thought, wow, that is a really great way to look at the pressure of being a professional athlete is accepted that this is great, that you're on the big stage, that you've got all this responsibility, that there's a millions of eyes on you. That's a really good approach to it. And, and probably something that he got from his father because his father always, always delivered during pressure situations. Um, anything else regarding Brendan? Oh, one other thing regarding Rice that I wanted to mention and get your thoughts on is he told reporters down in Mobile if that if the Bears bypass on Caleb Williams, they will be making a mistake. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. And also, what about the thought that what if the Bears draft Rice and not Caleb Williams? That Talk about awkward. <laughs> well, first of all, I think the exact quote was, and, and I don't have it precise, but I think it was like, if, if you be the GM that passes on Caleb Williams, and you're going to get fired, basically. I think that was something to that extent you know, but okay. uh, but again i mean it's it's what's he gonna say you know caleb williams sucks he's an asshole i mean he's not gonna come on and, and blast this guy you know so uh, it's it's just something that you know i i don't i don't see it positive for him to go ahead and blast it, you know if he feels negatively towards caleb williams so i think he just you know gave him his compliment and, and that's what i expect him to say basically absolutely all right, uh, let us move on. The next player is this cornerback. Uh, boy, oh, boy, was he getting yeah, a lot this, of talk. Down yeah, there. we talked about him again with Eric and Greg as well, Quinion Mitchell, this kid, this kid out of Toledo, you know, a good size, you know, six feet, 195. Uh, I mean, really, in terms of, you know, press coverage, off coverage, ability to, to, to be able to quickly transition, quick feet, you know, he's got the, you know, some, you know, good arm length there as well. So uh, I think he really, you know, solidified himself you know eric was talking about that you know early on in the years uh scott told him you know first round and this is before anyone had heard of quinny mitchell you know in terms of the media and all that stuff so yeah i think this guy really solidified himself, himself in terms of you know probably mid mid first round right now and i mean he was he was going up against you know all the receivers and he was you know calling out guys and and uh, like i said the only catch that i saw as well that eric touched on was the roman wilson one and again mitchell slipped and wilson made a great one-handed you know Adjustment to the to the ball. I mean, I want to to catch. So, um, really, really played well. Rio was was for me one of the, one of the top players overall at, at the Senior Bowl this past week. He said he looks like he could be a very special player, and so does this guy, Darius Robinson. You've already talked about him, right? Again, I talked about him. You know, this this guy fits that Matt Eberflus profile. You know, Eberflus. The only thing we we've you know kind of scouting for and, and seeing what they do here. He likes long, lean defensive linemen, whether it's, you know, three technique, ends, all that stuff. So, you know, at 6'5", 286, you know, with those long arms, almost 35-inch arms and big hands, I think he fits that profile. And he was a guy uh, that, that was, you know, unblockable. And whether it's a one-on-one, whether it was a team drills, um, you know, Greg and I touched on it earlier. Like, you know, he's, he plays a, a defensive end similar to the style of Montez Sweat. So I don't think he's, he's a perfect complement for Montez Sweat. But, man, when he kicks inside, 
as a defensive tackle, a three technique guy, he's a guy that I think can be even more special there inside. So, you know, depending on who takes them and, and where they they plant them, uh, I think he's a guy that that you know has solidified himself possibly as, as a first rounder. Again, we'll, like Greg mentioned, we'll see how this if this momentum carries on into the combine. But I think he's a guy that could potentially go in that that first round now. And, and again, position versatility. He could play some defensive end for you. He can play some inside uh, defensive tackle for you. And and, and as um, Eric, I mentioned he could probably play a five technique if you have a, a odd man front. So this kid really did, did well there in, in Mobile. He he was a talk of of the of those practices the first you know all, all three days. And another guy who has actually been falling on some draft boards. I don't know why uh, in some of the publications I read and so forth. But Lay to Lot two is not falling on my board. Uh, take it away, Danny. Yeah, the only thing that, that knocks, and again, the official measurements are going to be at the combine. That, those are the ones that the teams go by, and obviously the ones that they do themselves at the pro day. The 32 and 4 eighths arm length really was took me by surprise. Now, I didn't expect them to have 35-inch arms, but I, 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 the, the sub-33-inch arms really kind of took me off, and I think some some uh, teams – you know, saw that as, as, as not ideal length, but in, you know, in terms of, you know, his ability to get after the, the, the quarterback as a pass rusher, you know, be disruptive off the edges, this kid, you know, plays with a high motor, high energy, you know, his hand use, he's a technician. Like I said, uh, on last show, like I think he's the last defensive lineman I saw as, as, as skilled with their hand usage from a defensive end position was Joey Bosa. And, and I think this guy has that type of ability. You know, he can use his hands. He can, he can slither in between um, blockers. He can get around the edge. Um, you know, the, the sub the sub length is something that's going to hurt him. And obviously the bigger question about him is, is his medical, right? We touched on it earlier when we were talking with Greg and talking with, with Eric. You know, two years at Washington, you know, he had some some pain in his neck, a stinger from what I was, was told. And Next doctors, five doctors wouldn't wouldn't allow him to play, and they told him to retire. So he retired for a year, and ended up transferring over to UCLA, and he's played the last two two seasons injury you know, injury free. So you know, knock on wood, every, every, everything comes up comes out clean. He to me heading into the into this uh, into the draft is my top edge guy. Again, based you know, I don't know what the medicals are going to come out, but if, assuming it's a clean bill of health. He's a guy that that's proven to be able to get to the quarterback. Now, the run defense, I understand that's not his strong suit. He gives you an effort there, but it, but what I'm looking for, I'm looking for someone opposite of, of Montez Sweat that can get after the quarterback, quick twitch guy that can that can provide consistent pressure. And like I said earlier, like you know, these guys, oh, Aberflus plays about 65 to 70 percent of the time in a nickel base anyway. So you know, I, I would think a kid like Latu opposite of Montez Sweat, you know, kicked inside with a developing. Defensive and interior defensive line with with the young guys from last year and maybe a free agent addition here and there. We'll see what happens, but I think that kind of fortifies the defensive front and gives pressure onto the quarterback. And then Coleman is our next contestant, uh, offensive lineman who is a little over six four. Your thoughts? Yeah, Brendan Coleman really stood out for me both at, again teams and a one on one six four three sixteen. But he's got those thirty four plus inch arm. Like I think he's a guy that that gives you a position versatility. He can play some left tackle. He can play some left guard athletic guy you see him when they're asking him to go out and pull and, and on traps and all that stuff he's a guy that can get out there and get in front and lead uh and again you know a guy that has got the athletic ability the feet to be able to go ahead and, and stay in front of defensive ends i think this guy is is someone that you can bring in here and give you some of that position versatility he's probably in that second round range i'm, I'm thinking right now but again a guy that can play left guard for you or play left tackle so i think he really made it well down in mobile Okay, and then uh, let's go straight ahead to Austin Booker. You and Eric uh, talked about him, and when a, a Missouri alum like Eric Edholm has something good to say about a Kansas player, you know yeah. it's good news. 
Yeah, the only thing is Rushford sophomore. So you know, some a lot of Scots were surprised he came out. Uh, you know, played for two years at, at Minnesota, barely saw the football field. This first season transferred to Kansas, and I believe had eight and a half or nine sacks this year. Uh, you know, you saw the measurements at six four. 34 inch arms, you know, the length that we talked about in terms of off the edge, you know, 240 is a little light, light in the, in the pants there. So you got to add him up and get some bulk, but he's got a, we got a frame that could take on some more weight. So you say you get him up to 250, 255. I think he doesn't lose much of that, that athletic ability. Uh, he plays with a high energy, high motor, you know, um, you know, still developing in terms of his, his toolbox as, as a pass rusher, but you see some ability to be able to swim, rip, you know, uh, swipe through his, through arms of, of the off the line and get them off there. And these are all things you saw at the, in the drills as well as the, the team team opportunity there uh, has a nice spin move where he does a nice counter where he, he gets the, he gets the outside jab step and then spins to the inside of the uh, offensive lineman. So intriguing, you know, some might call him a one-year wonder it really hasn't done much in terms of proving it throughout a couple of seasons, but he's a guy, again, not sure uh, where he's going to land. I, I, I think first round might be too rich for me, but again, you're talking about second, third, you know, third round range. I think this is a guy that that's a, it's a guy that developmental type, right? Got he's got the length. And I talked about earlier when I was talking with him about with with Greg and Eric and his hands. I mean, heavy hands. When he when he jolts and he, and he plants them in the chest of a offensive lineman, he jolts them and he rocks them back. And Christian Jones, who was a left tackle for for Texas. You know, 300 plus pounds, and a couple of times he went one on one. He just jolted him and walked him back into the into the quarterback's lap. You know, just uh, converting that speed into power and getting getting the offensive lineman on his heels. So, really, really intriguing. Um, we'll see how what, how we test out the combine, but I think right now he's gone down at at, at, the, at the mobile at, at senior ball, I should say, went from possibly a day three guy to now a guy that that's, that's entrenched himself in day two somewhere. Right. Um, the next guy is a guy that I noticed uh, in early October. Florida was playing Southern Carolina, and this guy caught 10 passes for about 166 yards and a touchdown. Said, so, uh, maybe we need to keep an eye on this guy. Ricky Pearsall yeah. caught your eye, too, huh? Yeah. I mean, and then one thing was you, know, you put on his tape at Florida. Obviously, that I believe it was LSU. They had this crazy one-handed catch in, in, in traffic. So you knew the kid had had guts. The guy that catches through contact, it's not a problem. But what he did down at, at Mobile was you know, his ability to, to create separation. With He's got some twitch to him, right? He's got, you know, a good size of six foot, 193. Got a little bit bigger there. I like to see him a little bit, uh, 200 pounds there because he's going to be my X receiver if the Bears draft him, right? He's a guy that's going to play opposite of, of DJ Moore. But he's also a guy that could play some Z. He can also line up in the slot. And I think, you know, his ability is 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 to make plays down the football field. Now, doesn't run a, a clean route tree. Um, you know, that's got to be coached up, right? That's something he needs to work on. But again, just the the ability to – he's got a gear when, he, when he's hip to hip with a defensive back. He's got the ability, while it's coming his way, to put in that extra gear, get it over the top leverage. And he's a guy that can go up and make plays in traffic, like I said, and contested catches. Also, those you know, 50-50 balls up in the air, and that's what he did in Mobile. Was you know, he was going up and making catches over the, the heads of defensive backs and coming down with it. So, really impressive, clean hands catcher. Uh, so, I think this is a guy that really helps solidify himself as well. I heard a lot of scouts talking about this guy, and again, guy, someone that that was you know lingering late day two, early day three. Now is probably solidifying himself somewhere in a day two range. Very good. And the next guy is, I'm sure, uh, somebody that Jordan knows a lot about, and that's Roman Wilson, the wide receiver out of Michigan. 
Yeah, slot slot receiver. You see a size here. He's a guy that that just quick in and out of his in and out of his breaks. You know, give him a two way go. It's it's almost impossible to to keep him. You know, keep, stay in phase with him. Uh, the DBs, wherever they're you know they were going up one on one with him. You know, it, it was it was a mismatch and uh, a guy that really caught the ball well. Uh, you know, showed some explosiveness after the catch as well. So Roland Wilson, I think, has also kind of you know solidified his, his grade there. Not a first round guy for me. Uh, you know, a guy somewhere again in, in round two is probably where you're going to see him going. Very good. All right. Let us uh, now look at five guys, as you said earlier, that caught your eye, and you're going to be doing a lot more work on them over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, right? these are the guys that, that really just, just kind of caught my attention here going through going through the uh, the senior bowl, senior bowl tape there. So go ahead. So Evan Williams is a safety out of Oregon. And, uh, you know, the, the talk now with, with, uh, with you know, Jackson uh, possibly um, um, being let go, you know, being a salary cap, uh, Eddie Jackson being a salary cap uh, casualty. I'm starting looking at some looking at safeties because I honestly going into the process, I, I was kind of like not looking at the secondary. Or I was going to leave them for for kind of later on in the process. But with with that news coming out, maybe that happening, all of a sudden our safeties could come up to you know to a to a position of need here for the Bears. And Evan Williams, man, this is a kid, former high school receiver, uh, played the first four seasons at at Fresno State. Uh, was was named three-time All Mountain West Conference team. He's a three-time captain in, in his collegiate career. Uh, played just one year at at Oregon this past year. Uh, solid size, loose hips. Uh, you know the guy's quick to, to transition in terms of you know coming back pedal, coming forward. Uh, I can loose hips, easy to be able to flip them and and change directions in space. Uh, you know will will strike receivers and wrap up. So this is a guy. Anything caught in front of him, he drives on it hits them hard and wraps them up uh, comfortable in coverage, whether he's playing single high or in a two man, uh, you know, a cover two kind of scheme um, can cover tight ends or receivers out of the slot. So it gives you some, some coverage ability as well there. Um, and I can comfortable around the line of scrimmage. This is a kid that had four and a half sacks last year, five tackles for loss. And how I started noticing him at the senior bowl was on the team drills. And he's always in there, getting his nose in there, you know, on run plays and going after the running back and, and making plays. And then all of a sudden you see someone, you know, on those one-on-one uh, uh, opportunities with the running backs and tight ends, you know, coverage-wise, his, his feet, his hips, his fluidity and, and fluidity and, and coverage. So, again, this is a guy that if you're, if you're looking at a possible guy to come in here and, and could be a future free safety for you, Evan Williams, safety from Oregon, is the guy to keep an eye on. Excellent. The next guy on your list is Dwayne Carter, the defensive tackle out of Duke. Yeah, I touched on him last week a little bit. And again, another guy that that just kind of just popped on tape, whether it's, you know, whether it's the one-on-ones or whether it's the team drills, you know, comes from a football family, you know, terrific person on and off the field, a three-time captain uh, at, at Duke. You know, first time in school history, uh, one player was voted captain three three times, a three-year starter. Uh, led the ACC in 2021 with four forced fumbles, has seven forced fumbles throughout his career. Again, solid size at 6'2", 308, 33-inch arms. Um, you know, not the length that, that Eberflus likes, but again, we're talking about a, a possible replacement, future replacement for an Andrew Billings uh, veteran there, a guy that can, that can come in here. You know, lateral agility, he's got you know, ability, the guy can carry his weight well, moves well for a big man. 
you know, if, if he sustains his leverage, which keeps his low pads low, he's the guy that can, you know, maintain his ground and, and take on blockers and allow the linebackers behind him to go in and eat, uh, you know, plays with high energy, you know, an, an active an active defender, um, you know, can be a presence, again, maintaining his leverage. He can pierce himself into the into the backfield and, and be a guy that could, that could, you know, stop the run. You know, uh, two years ago, he had 11, 11 tackles for loss for his career. He's got 24 and a half tackles for loss. So this is a guy that can get into the backfield on, on running downs and, and be a presence. Um, you know, is uh, a guy in terms of a pass rusher. He's still not there. He's just, just just a power guy right now. But you know, you see some things there. He's like he's working on. You see some hand movement. You see the ability trying to get skinny and get into the gaps. But for mo- for the most sake, right now, he's a guy that's gonna probably be a one technique. A guy that could be a future replacement for uh, Andrew Billings, if you will. But again, a guy that probably a day three guy is is what I'm thinking here. And if you can get this guy in day three, bring him in and bring him nice nice depth there. Again. Big guy, active guy, can get get a little bit stronger in his anchor, but again, just someone that I, I think has a, has a ability to develop into a starter potentially down the road. I was surprised when Eric mentioned Dylan Luby because he's also on your list of running back from New Hampshire. Yeah, this is a kid. I mean, you're talking about you want you want fast guys, right? Although you want a guy that can come on and, and, and make some plays, and and this is a sixth year senior, so he he's been in college football for since 2018, but. You know, he's a guy that that you know at five nine two ten. He, he's a guy that's got the speed to bounce it to the outside. But he also has some of that toughness to to get in between the tackles and, and make some tough tough runs there. And he, he's just an all purpose back. I mean, this is a guy that that's got over ninety kickoff returns. You know, for over twenty two hundred yards with two touchdowns, averaging twenty four and a half yards a kickoff return. Has got thirty four punt returns for over four hundred yards. You know, with two touchdowns as a punt returner as well. So you know, this is a guy that that's again all purpose back. You know, speed to burst. You know, can run it to the outside, um, and, but enough muscle and courage to run it in between tackles. Natural hands catcher, uh, and that special teams value. So again, day three guy. That guy can come in. And to my knowledge, you know, right now, Bayless Jones has been, has been a total bust in terms of a kickoff returner and a punt returner. So you know, get a guy like this day three, give you some some added bonus there on, on special teams, and also be a guy that maybe you could utilize out of the backfield as, as a pass catcher. You know, that, the name they kept saying on, on the on the coverage there was, was Danny Woodhead. You know, someone to give you kind of an idea in terms of what he can do. A guy that can come in and be a pass catcher, run run some plays, but also give you some added value on special teams. So this guy really impressed me, really stood out. Again, small school guy, day three guy, but again, a guy that can come in and do multiple things for you and help you out. Did I lose you, Aldo? At, I am on mute. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Kyrie Jackson is the cornerback over at Oregon. You wanted to profile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jackson. So, uh, again, watching the one-on-ones, I see this this kid from Oregon, just a skinny kid, tall kid, feisty, always going after. And, and it actually, Brendan Rice, we're talking about him going back and forth. Him and Rice had a couple you know, exchanges there and, and – and, uh, um, at that senior boy, but he's always in phase. He's always in coverage. And I look him up. He's 6'3", 203 pounds, 32 inch arms. Again, corner right now is it, to dress a corner right now. It, it's a luxury for the Bears, right? I, I, if they keep Jalen Johnson. But however, if they if those negotiations turn sour and they end up trading Jalen Johnson, and you're looking for for a guy in, in you know, on day three, uh, this Kyrie Jackson is a kid from Oregon. Now, highly recruited kid out of out of uh, you know out of uh, high school. Um, actually, went to um, started his collegiate career at a junior college in Maryland at Fort Scott Community. Went to Alabama for the next two years, only had one start, and then transferred to Oregon this past year, where, where he played full time and, and put up some pretty good numbers. You know, five tackles for loss, for a corner, two sacks. 
three interceptions, seven pass defense. He's a guy who's always in phase. I said always in phase. He's got the length, got the got the got the uh, the size there, and he's got the ability to come down and make plays at the at, at or around the line of scrimmage. So his his run defense is is was pretty good as well. So again, this guy I'm going to dive deeper into and just keep watching some more on him. But what I saw at at the Senior Bowl uh, practices, the feistiness, the size, the ability to, to stay in phase down the field with some some really quick twitch receivers really caught my eye. And I think, again, I understand corner right now is a luxury, but we don't know what's going to happen with Jalen Johnson. And, you know, just like pass rushers, I don't think you can have enough cornerbacks. So, you know, if you get a guy here, you bring your depth and then eventually develop. But at that size at 6'3", 203, with that kind of uh, athletic ability, I think it's a guy you take a flyer on. This tight end uh, from Penn State, Theo Johnson. Got to love that hand size, 10 inches and wingspan at 81-28. What are your thoughts? Right, and and this is another guy that Eric brought up as well, and and you know the tight end group wasn't really that great, you know, down in Mobile, but this guy stood up above the rest, and not because because he's six six two fifty seven, but you know he showed a burst in terms of you know being you know, being guy that that could possibly stretch the scene, uh, you know, a two year starter at, at Penn State, you know, finished with seventy seven career receptions, nine hundred thirty eight yards, and twelve touchdowns, had seven touchdowns last year. Which which tied for third all time in a single season uh, by a tight end for for Penn State. So he's a big red zone target. And again, we're talking about a guy that's going to be opposite of of Cole Komet. So again, a, a guy that's got the size, got the hands, got the ability to you know, extend away from his frame and give you a big catch radius, and has some some wiggle to him in terms of being able to get down the field and make some some plays there. Um, again, Theo Johnson's a guy that, that to keep an eye on here. You know, uh, possibly late you know late day two, early day three is probably where you're looking at his range. As of right now, we'll see what he runs at the combine, though. Mm. All right, I uh, got a question for you from uh, I think it was from last. There it is, uh, Danny. You see any angry running backs like Pacheco in the draft? And I got to tell you, that kid that started the game at the Senior Bowl, Imani Baylor from TCU, kind of yeah. So he kind of reminded me a little bit of Johnny Pacheco. He's a little thicker, I think, than Pacheco. Yeah, he's he's, like a, he's, a, he's more of a, like a dual threat guy. He can catch pass, pass out of backfield. He's, he's a kickoff return guy. Um, you know, he, he, he had a solid, solid game in terms of the Senior Bowl, but in terms of at the at the actual Senior Bowl practice, no, no one really caught my eye. And last, I haven't really done a deep dive into the running backs yet. I've, I've been kind of be on the peripheral here, just to see who you know who's out there, who's available. But you know, this lob, you know lobby kid again, day three guy, you know, caught my eye. Um, and then, and then the, we talked about the kid Schrader from from um, from Missouri also coming out. But again, those are more depth guys, day three guys. You know, I haven't really dove into the, the top of the draft yet in terms of running back. Again, not sure how they they stack running back the Bears. That is uh, in terms of their, their their needs right now. Obviously, you got Killer Herbert, you got Roshan Johnson. You know, you you, you could bring another veteran. Um, you could you could draft a guy you know in day three. So we'll see how that breaks out. You know, so the early part of free agency, what they do there. Uh, I'm assuming. Um, Foreman, Deontay Foreman is probably gone. So you you, you kind of bring in you bring in a, a running back there. So we'll see how that goes. If they pick up a guy from from veteran free agency, that means they're probably going to you know lay low on, on the running back position in, in in the draft. But if they don't bring up any, anybody in free agency, now you're going to have to go in and probably pick someone. Probably by day three is my guess in terms of where you pick them. It's, it's in my opinion, it's better to scout these running backs in depth after you get those combine uh, numbers, so that way you can they can help with the scouting process. By the way, Cliff wants to know uh, Cade Stover out of Ohio State, the tight end. Uh, you're probably going to look at him in the next week or two, huh? 
Yeah, he's 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 not a senior. He was not that down at the senior bowl. So we'll take a look at Kate. Obviously, the Ohio State tight end. He, he's a, he's a guy that that you know a big target there. I believe is about six six three six four. Uh, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, um, uh, well, well, yeah, we'll we'll give you some more scouting reports when we break down the tight end group uh, in, in upcoming shows. And then earlier, Hair Bear asked, could Darius Robinson be a three tech in the NFL? Let me put up those numbers again because that could help with your answer here. The As arm- a full time three technique, I don't know, Hair Bear. I, I I think he could be a three technique and on, on pass rushing situations for sure. Mm-hmm. I think he's a guy that that can you know you you can put, start off as an end. And then on passing downs, kick him inside um, and, and, and be your three technique. Yes. Uh, but, but in terms of every down and down on three technique, um, I'm not sure. I, I'm not saying no for sure. Obviously, 286 is, is, is light for for a guy that inside at the tackle. You, you want him in, in that 295 to 300 range. So, you know, adding about 11 pounds or, you know, 14 pounds of muscle or more weight on him might take away some of his you know ability in terms of quickness. Um, so I'm not sure how ideal that would be for Darius Robinson as a three technique, a full-time three technique. But on third downs and passing situations, yes, you can definitely kick him inside and he can be effective. Jordan says that uh, they played him at, in the interior of the defensive line and didn't work out, which is why they moved him out to defensive end. Uh, Mr. Mayhem69 wants to know who should the Bears draft if uh, it comes down to this, a choice between these two wide receivers, Romo Dunze or Malik Neighbors. Each has... Each is going to be a great NFL player, in my opinion. Each has different strengths, though, right? Right. So Adunze is for me is an X. He's a big body receiver. What the Bears need: guy on the outside, physical at the catch point, guy that can make plays down the football field. A perfect complement to DJ Moore. Malik Neighbors to me is a Z. He he he's a he's a a DJ Moore light, if you will. Right. He's a guy that you hard have to contact or you hard have to catch is is, is where he excels at. You know, he's not but he's not a big body guy. He's not a guy. That's going to be an X guy that you can throw the ball up to and in, in, in the uh, you know 50, 50 balls in and go up and make a play. He'll go up and make plays on, on balls, but he's not that guy, right? Like Adonze is, or like a Marvin Harrison Jr. is. So that's what I've been looking for here. Is I've, I've been looking for an X in, in a perfect world. I like looking for an X deck that can go ahead and complement um, complement um, a DJ Moore. But I've said before, guys, the Bears probably need to come out of this draft with two receivers, not just one, but two. So if your choice comes down to Malik Neighbors and, you, and that's the highest rated receiver on your board, how to, you know, Odonza for whatever reason, you can take him, even though he's a, he's a similar in terms of skill set to a DJ Moore, you can always get that X later on in the draft. We talked about Xavier Leggett from, from South Carolina. Brendan Rice, I think, can play some X for you. You know, there's other receivers we can find that can, you know, can play X for you as well. But again, right now, the only two receivers, and correct me if I'm wrong, that are, at least in my opinion, on this team next year are DJ Moore and and um and the, the uh, Tyler Scott the mm-hmm. the second year player from uh, a fourth round pick so yeah. you need at least four to, to you know you know four to five possibly receivers and you know Vales Jones to me is 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 done I I, I don't want St Brown's a free agent I don't, I don't see him coming back again we'll we'll see what Shane Walger wants in terms of his receivers but I know he's gonna want an X you know he had DK Metcalf out there in Seattle uh, you know he's gonna want to get a guy out there that's that's gonna be an X so. At least two receivers are coming from the draft, possibly a couple from, from free agency. So we'll see how that shakes out. But if you do go Malik Neighbors in the first round, you got to come back later on in the draft and get yourself an X. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I think we got one more question here. Uh, Vince had asked this when all of you guys were here, but uh, couldn't get it in. So he wants to know about Zach Pickens. From his unscouts eye, he doesn't appear to have a high ceiling, maybe a nice little floor. Doesn't seem like a three-down guy. What What is your feeling on Zach Pickens, and what could he potentially deliver to the Bears in 2024? I think I think the hiring of Eric Washington is going to do wonders for Zach Pickens. I think he's a guy, un- unlike Dexter, who was in the second round. Pickens for me was was a guy that I liked a little bit more because he gives you a little bit more pass rush ability. He's a guy that can play some three technique for you and be a guy that that, that penetrates and disrupts the backfield. And I think early on it looked like Pickens was having a little more of a, a better effect than, than Dexter was, and then obviously things reversed. Dexter got a little bit better, so. Eric Washington being hired here as a defensive coordinator, obviously his forte is defensive line, working with those guys, you know, back when the Bears were here, when he was loving was here, I should say, going to Carolina, and even, even the Bills. I mean, if you notice that the Bills defensive line really, really got after the quarterback, really made a difference up front. So I think, you know, from guys like AJ Espinosa, you know, and Oliver had a, Oliver had a great year this year. And, and not, not all because of Eric Washington, but I think his coaching and his development is something that I'm looking forward to seeing hit that effect on the young guys, Dexter and Zach Pickens. But I wouldn't give up Zach Pickens yet. Okay. Uh, he's a guy that, that showed some flashes, but he's got to get consistent. Right. And I, I think, but he's guy gives you a little bit more pass rush in my opinion. Than, than Dexter. So we'll, we'll see how he develops this, this second season. Very good. All right. The final topic, and I apologize to you, Danny, because I, I, I'm pulling a surprise on you, but the final thing I wanted to talk about tonight was the free agents tight end class. And so I got a graphic here with who's available and so forth. And the reason I want to talk about this is because as I start to give some thought as to, you know, what positions should be targeted, what are position strengths in the draft and so forth. I don't think this draft is going to offer a lot of uh, great tight ends, not right. like last year. Last year was the year to get a tight end. This year, uh, it, you know, they could bring Tanyan and uh, Mercedes Lewis back, which I would not be totally upset by that. But I think that there are some really interesting names available in this draft. Bring them up. Bring them up. They include Noah Fant out of Seattle. He's there in the middle, 26 years old, has worked with Shane Waldron. Your thoughts? Yep. Noah Fant is a guy that I earmarked. And the other guy, Colby Parkinson, also is a guy mm-hmm. from Seattle. You know, a big guy. He's Parkinson is probably a better blocker, I'd say, than, than Noah Fant. Yes. Uh, but Fant was, was a guy I liked a lot coming out of Iowa. Uh, obviously the, the, you know, the big name here is Dalton Schultz. You know, he had a great bounce back year or had a uh, not sure bounce back, but had a great year with, with, uh, just Stroud in Houston. So I'm, I'm assuming he's going to want to stay there. Keep that, keep that, that, you know, uh, core there. But, you know, Mike Gusecki is a guy that we've talked about a lot. And again, we're not talking about Gusecki coming in here being the starter at tight end. We're talking about a nice compliment, a guy you can split out wide and, you know, in, in the slot and be a compliment to Cole Komet. Cole Komet is your number one tight end. He's your inline Y guy. But a Gasecki would be a guy like you, a good pass catcher. You know, Hunter Henry, you know, injuries are always an issue with Hunter Henry, right? If he can stay healthy, he's a guy that, that can be productive. He can he can make catches for you down a football field. But, yes, those guys might command a little bit more higher money. Obviously, if Schultz will, Hunter might, Hunter Henry might as well. But if you look at some low-key guys, Noah Fent from, from, um, from Seattle is a guy that I liked a lot. Obviously, he was drafted by Denver. He, he went to Seattle as part of the Russell Wilson trade. Keep an eye, eye on Noah Fent and then um, and, and Parkinson, Kobe Parkinson, also from Seattle as well. They know the system. You know, they, you know. I'm sure Walsh is going to want to you know be in their ear and bring him in here. But yes, I, I agree with you 100. Although in terms of this tight end class, it's it's not it's not deep. It's not great. Um, you know, even that the top rated tight end. 
um, Brock Bowers, you know, he's going to come in at probably about six two, six two and a half. To me, that that's more of an H back, you know, position. Um, you know, you know, I, Eric had him going in the fifth overall to the Chargers. I don't see that happening. I think that's a little bit too rich for my blood. You know, we haven't seen. You know, we've seen. You know, tight ends go high in the first top ten and, and not you know not pan out. So for me, for my money, I'd, I'd rather go with one of these guys. You know, even a guy like like Harrison Bryant. You know, not not a big name guy, but a guy that's productive. You know, in terms of making catches. You know, Jasper Horstead. I, I, that, that's a name that you loved a couple couple years ago. I remember that guy. Absolutely. You know? uh, but you no, know, but and all seriously, like a guy like Noah Fant, I think will be a nice compliment to to. Um, to Cole Komet, you know, and, and, and then obviously, you know, you know, we go down the list here, but you know, Hunter Henry, I think those guys down the shows, those guys are a little bit too rich, you know, for the, for the money and what they're going to be seeking. But, you know, exactly. we'll keep an eye on Noah Fent. Harrison Bryant will be another guy to keep an eye on there as well. Well, and Albert, Oh, I mean, when, when we were doing draft on tap, when he was still playing collegiate football, I, I really thought this guy was going to be a star, but it hasn't happened for him in Philadelphia. Maybe a change of environment would do. I don't think maybe he's ever going to be a, a star, but he, you know, with how I see Shane Waldron running these two tight end formations, it seems like you need another person almost like Cole Komet who can do each of the two things you want a tight end to do, block and catch passes. You can do them fairly well. I mean, in my mind, Cole Komet is an above average or average pass catcher and above average or average blocker. Is that a fair assessment? No, I, I think it's above average in both categories, I mean, I think he's above average yeah. blocker, and and I think and I think he's above average getting better pass catcher. I mean, I mean the connection him and Justin had the last two years. I mean, you could see the growth in Colquitt. Yeah. Bring in an offensive play caller now that emphasizes the tight end position and and looks to call plays for tight ends. I think that will really just help enhance Colquitt and obviously bring someone in like a. Noah Fant or Hunter Henry, just some of the names here, or Harrison Bryant that can give a nice compliment to him. I think that's only going to help proceed or, or produce more numbers, more quality catches by your tight end. So um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens there. So I know you talked about this earlier, but again, so what's the perfect complement for that other tight end to be in on some of these Shane Waldron double tight end formations? Well, you'll see two tight ends in the backfield on a pistol formation, and you'll see, you know, in, in more traditional ways of using tight ends. So what's the perfect complement to a Cole Komet? So for, for me, looking at, at if this is going to be the Sean McVay Shanahan, I, I think you're going, to need, you're going to need three, possibly four tight ends on the roster, all right? You're mm -hmm. going to need two that are going to be really good blockers. So if, if you, if Mercedes Lewis wants to come back, um, you know, he's a, he's an excellent blocker in, in a run game. So if you go, if you go 12 personnel, which is one running back, two tight ends, or if you go 13 personnel, which is one and three, one running back and three tight ends, you know, you have two of them are going to be blockers. One's going to be, one's going to be a, probably a cat pass catcher. So again, guys, that, that guys that can be up, start up, up front, guys that can that can move their feet laterally in terms of the blocking tight ends, guys that can that can you know pin, seal that edge, give the running back a lane to go, go up, bounce it to the outside. Those are the guys you're looking for in terms of blocking, right? In terms of pass catchers, obviously guys that can get downfield and, and get open, nice big targets, guys that can extend away from the frames. So I think you know those are the types of pass catchers you're looking for. And I think Cole Komet, you know. Coming out of Notre Dame, he was a more of a guy that, that that could get you in that 10, 15 range. But I think this last couple of years with Justin, I think I saw him, we saw him extend his range. We saw him make plays 20, 30 yards down the football field. You saw him, you know, improve his touchdown number. So I think, you know, having him continue to improve there, bring in a guy that can be a pass catcher, Harrison Bryant, Noah Fant, some of these guys you talk, talk about, and give another option, another compliment there. I think now you have two guys at, at tight end that, that can be pass catching threats. Uh, DJ Moore, 
and name your receiver on the outside plus whatever you have going on in the backfield, I think now you have the ability to, to really threaten defenses down the field and, and be a big play, big strike offense. Again, here are the top guys on the Spotrack list of available tight ends, Hunter Henry, Dalton Schultz. Gerald Everett is an interesting name, Danny, because he uh, has played in this Shanahan system and so could be a natural fit right away. Again, another another move tight, another athletic body type that can get down the football field and, and make catches. Yeah, not much of a blocker, you know. But again, the guy just going to be you know relegated to being a pass catcher. And then on Spot on the bottom half that Spotrack list, they've got uh, Nick Vanette, Josh, Josiah DeGuerra. No more tight ends from Green Bay. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think we're done with that. Yeah, but you and I saw up close, I think, Adam uh, Troutman down at the Senior Bowl. I was impressed with him back then. I think that's the year uh, Ryan Badgley uh, came down with us. And Yeah, Troutman really hasn't lived up to his billing. Uh, yeah. yeah I mean, he was a that, that drafted from New Orleans. I think he went in the second round and, and has been traded already to Denver or, or was a free agent signing, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so he, he's probably moving on to his third team. But, yeah, he's, he's a guy that, uh, you know, He's got the size, he's got the athletic ability, but just doesn't hasn't produced, hasn't put together yet. But again, Harrison Bryant is a guy that really catches my eye. I remember he, him coming out of Florida Atlantic. Yep. Was a guy that really looked as as a basically he's a big bigger receiver. That's what he is, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think he's a guy that that's when given when given the option. Obviously, you know David Njoku down there in Cleveland, you know, gobbled up most of those those opportunities in terms of that that ball you know ball opportunity. But uh, I think Harrison Bryant could be a nice under the cover signing to be again a compliment to to Cole Komet. Well, I remember being down at the Senior Bowl and you telling me over and over again, a couple of guys I want you to take a look at, Justin Jefferson and Harrison Bryant. Harrison Bryant, keep an eye on him. And, you know, he, I think he's the type of glare. And, and I would discount a Adam Troutman as being guys who could really explode in their careers if they get into the right situation. And it, perhaps, you know, this is the time, the, the mid to later 20s is when they can have a, a 60 catch season with uh, over a half dozen touchdowns. I see that in their futures. It's all about opportunities and, and the situation you're put in. You know, are you being put in a situation to succeed? And this is something that I've been harping about with Justin. Right? You know, I don't want to bring that up now, but I'm saying like that's the thing is putting these players in a position in an offense or in a system that brings out their best. But there, there's no perfect prospect. There's no perfect player, right? Each player does think this is what Bill Belichick got good, good, good at in terms of veteran free agency. He'd take veterans from other teams that, that has been discarded and say, all right, what do you do well? You pass rush? All right, you're going to be my pass rusher. You, you stop the run? You're going to be my run stopper. And, and just put these guys in position to succeed. Next thing you know, they build confidence. Next thing you know, he's winning, what, seven Super Bowls? Mm -hmm. Six? Six. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Dobzy, Albert O is pretty athletic. Uh, you know, the Bears maybe should take a look at him, but uh, that's his name, Albert O. And the fact that you spelled out his entire name and it looks like you did it correctly, kudos to you, brother. Um, before I let you go, Danny, uh, want to get some final thoughts, your perspective on the announcement that the Chicago Bears, according to the Chicago Sun Times, tomorrow, Devin Hester. Steve McMichael and Julius Peppers will be entering the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What does that mean to you personally as a Bears fan? First of all, I'll answer that, but I, I have a surprise for you. You got a surprise for me? I got a surprise for you. And for all, for all our Drafts on Tap listeners, this man here, the Podfather, he's, I, call, I call him the quarterback whisperer. This is the <laughs> man. He won't, he won't take credit for it, but he's the only man on this network then 2017 said Patrick Mahomes was the best quarterback of that draft. And, and I think every one of us called him nuts. And lo and behold, Patrick Mahomes is the best. And then he, a couple of weeks ago, I think it might have been on a, on a Buffon 55 episode, 
you throw out the name of a quarterback you liked in this class, and it was Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. And I've been breaking down his tape, and I watched him in the Senior Bowl, and and I'm telling you, there's something about this kid and the way he spins that football. Now again, he's not the perfect athlete. His motion is funky. It, it's it's all arm. Okay. He played in in a high powered offense with with tremendous receivers. You know, three NFL top receivers. Okay. Uh, he's got a, a, a offensive line that's going to be a, be a probably a first or second round pick. Um, his, his leg, he's got the injury history. You know, his his motion, his, his lower half is stiff in terms of his legs. You know, it, it, it's, it's all like in all arms. His motion is all off. But man, he delivers a beautiful football. It's accurate. It's on time, and it's got power. And the more I watch this kid, I'm like, you know, that Gandia. I think he's, I think he's found another one. So, you know, all, uh, Greg touched on like he thinks that the Bears are going to keep Justin, and I think they're going to trade down and pick a quarterback, not necessarily in the first round. He thinks you know, possibly second round. That's the guy that I'm really intrigued about, and 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 I wonder how. And again, not perfect. We saw Michigan; they put pressure on him. He couldn't move. He was stuck there. He got beat up. So he's mm-hmm. a guy that's going to need help. He's going to need an offensive line in front of him to protect him. He's going to need some weapons on the outside. But the quick release, that that lefty, big, huge hands over ten oh. inch hands, the ball just rips out of his hands. It's, and it's again, the, it's all arm, no no lower body. How does that play out at the next level is, is one thing you, you project. And I've talked a couple of you know, text a couple of guys out there and, and, and they're saying, yeah, it just, just looks too funky. You know, some, some offensive coordinators just don't like the way the ball comes out of a lefty's hand and for whatever reason, but the more I watch him, the more I like him. So well, um, what are your thoughts on Mr. One Michael Penix? Well, uh, that's one of the things I was watching him today. He was being interviewed, uh, I think, on Good Morning Football, and he had his hands folded like this, and I was watching those fingers. Like, it was, those things look like cobras. You know, they were yeah. so long. Uh, yeah, he does have big hands. I just, I, I just like the uh, the same kind of aura that I got out of Patrick Mahomes, a playmaker, a guy who has got a great attitude about the game, really wants to win, uh, make special throws. He had two great wide receivers at Washington, so he should have made great throws. But I, I think that this guy could, you know, if, if drafted into the right situation, he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying that at all, but he could be a special NFL quarterback if he, you know, when, uh, when, uh, Jordan said on the McCarthy sh- uh, uh, tape that, you know, if he could get a year behind uh, a, a, a veteran quarterback like Mahomes did with uh, Alex Smith, that would be good for him. Well, it would be good for just about any quarterback coming out right. in this draft, right? That's that's a winning formula uh, for the right. most part. If the, if the quarterback, if the rookie prospect is good, you know, having him sit for a year and learn and listen in the headsets and lead the scout team and, and all those things are absolutely perfect. And I, if, if Michael Penix gets that opportunity as opposed to being thrown to the wolves in his rookie season, watch out. It happened for uh, Patrick Holmes and uh, it can happen for Michael Penix. That's what I'm saying. It's is is when we talk about this whole scenario with the Bears. Like if if a team like Washington it comes up and throws something crazy at Chicago because they want new ownership, they want to make a big splash. Local kid and Caleb Williams. If they throw three first round picks, you know, one this year and one next year and following year, and an, and a player or, or or multiple day two picks. If you're Ryan Poles, how do you pass that up, right? I know Caleb Williams is being called generational, but no one's generational until they prove the generation. Heck, Patrick Mahomes wasn't called generational when he came out, and he's actually generational, right? So it's it's don't believe this all this hype about Caleb Williams. Can he make awesome throws? Yes. Can he make off-platform throws? Yes. Can he make some throws that make you like, whoa, yes, he can. But that off-the-field stuff really, and Greg touched on it again today, he's, he's heard some stuff that he doesn't like. So 
We'll see how that goes. That's all due diligence and all that stuff. But if Washington throws that out there, why not keep Justin? Bring a guy in, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, maybe JJ McCarthy in the second round, and have him sit behind Justin. And if Justin doesn't pan out within next year or year after under Shane Waldron, then you got another guy you can kind of another you know another shot at the apple there with low salary at your quarterback, and you can still build your team with all this draft capital, Aldo, that you're going to recruit from, from Washington, whoever trades for the first pick, all that draft capital, plus the, 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 the uh, if you get rid of, you know, Justin in a couple of years, a, a rookie contract or a guy on his rookie contract to add more, you know, like salary cap and stuff like that, get more veteran play. Now you're building an, a foundation, a team around the quarterback, and they can go from there. That, to me, makes the most sense in terms of building this organization. So, Danny, because uh, I've thought about that strategy going into this offseason for months now, given the way the Bears played this season. So how far down, now is the time where we can ask this question and get, get some good, solid opinions. How far down can you trade down? Because if you trade with Washington, they're not going to give you a, a haul. you know. But if you trade with Atlanta at eight, and I'm saying trade the number one overall, to Atlanta, you get an eight. Is that too far down for you, or do you want to try to stay in that four, five, six, four? Is I think the Cardinals. So you're not really going to make a trade for the Cardinals with the Cardinals. Well, ideally, and I disagree with you. I think Washington would give you a haul. I know, yeah. I know, it's one, it's one spot, but it's again new ownership, local guy, right? Local. He's from Washington. Kid Williams, that is. He's a guy. That would would it would juice up the fan base, you know, and and, and and a new owner wants to come in and make a big splash, sell tickets and all that stuff. You know, Daniel Snyder killed that that fan base, right? And now you have re-energized that fan base with this local guy. And I think Washington, you know, maybe they won't give you three first round picks, but they'll give you the number two pick, their first round pick next year, uh, a second round pick this year that you, that you gave up for Montez Sweat, and maybe even a player, maybe uh, Terry McLaurin, maybe a Durant Duran Payne or something like that. I mean, you could ask for the moon. Because I, I think Washington is that desperate to, to make him their quarterback. And I think if you can take advantage of them, uh, I, I would do that in a heartbeat and, and, and that type of scenario, that package. But as far as how, how far I want to go down, again. Uh, before, before you get off that, before you, you start on that topic, here is the the commander's current draft picks. They've, they've got a lot of picks this season, whereas we right, have. So like, I would take two. I would yeah. take 40, which is the Bears' original pick they, they gave them for Montez Sweat. I'll okay. take a first next year and say a Deron Payne, defensive tackle. Okay. All right. And I go down one slot. And number two now, hey, New England. Hey, Oakland. Hey, whoever. Do you guys want a quarterback? You know, mm-hmm. or, or maybe maybe the Bears might say, you know what? We like Jaden Daniels better than, than Caleb Williams. You know, mm-hmm. Jaden Daniels fits our, our culture. Jaden Daniels has a skill set that we love in terms of his ability to be an athletic quarterback. Thin, yes. He's got the arm strength. A one-year, one-year wonder. That that could be it. That could be it. And but you can bring him in at number two, and keep Justin, for example. Okay, or and, and then let that, that scenario we just talked about earlier play out. Or at number two, say, all right, Marvin Harrison Jr., you come in, you be the X opposite DJ Moore at thirty at, th- at forty. Hey, Bo Nix. Hey, JJ McCarthy. Hey, uh, Michael Penix Jr. You guys, you're that quarterback. Are uh, gonna sit back here behind Justin, and we're gonna and for the next year to remember. You have just under control for the next two years, okay? Mm-hmm. And within the next two years, that's where you're going to probably go ahead and, and, and take a look and see, you know, under Shane Waldron, under Kerry Joseph, which, which, by the way, I think that's a very, very uh, sneaky good hire, Kerry Joseph. 
ex-safety, NFL safety, played college quarterback in the CFL. What he gives the quarterback is he gives the, the perspective of the safety, right? What the safety is doing. And what, what's the biggest thing you talk about when you teach a quarterback is eye manipulation, manipulate that safety. And what a better way to help someone to teach a quarterback how to manipulate a safety than a former safety being a quarterback coach. I think that's a nice, that's a pretty good under the radar hire there. But again, just develop this quarterback. And if Justin takes off, you know what? Quarterbacks, good quarterbacks are, are, are a luxury, right? You have two good quarterbacks. If Justin doesn't pan out a year or two under, under Shane now you've given him his, his full opportunity under a revamped offense, a revamped coaching staff. Now you go with the guy you just picked in the second round, you know, or, or even if with all that draft capital, so you make that, that trade with Washington. If you see a guy dropping in that first round and you want to go get him, you can jump up and get him. But mm -hmm. to answer your original question, how far back do I want to go down? I, I do not want to, I do not want to miss out on these are the players I, I want for sure. Okay. I want either, if it's going to be a quarterback, I, I, I would like Caleb. If it's going to be a receiver, I would, I want Marvin Harrison Jr. If it's going to be an offensive lineman, I want Joe Alt. If it's going to be a defensive edge guy, I want Latou from, from UCLA, assuming it's his medicals pan out, right? So those are the guys I don't want to miss out on. So as far as, as, as you can play at the game, how mm -hmm. far down you can get down to get one of those guys. This Again, this is my board. Now, who knows what their, what their draft board is going to sure. be. So, so you just cannot miss out on those guys with that first pick. And then obviously you can, you can, you can go from there, but you know, it depends on what you get. The, the further down you get, the more you're going to get in terms of, of, of draft capital. And again, exactly. that, that's just, that's, that's, that's currency. You can always move up and down. You're going to mm -hmm. be, you know, controlling the draft and who knows what happens. So what separates in your mind, Harrison with Malik and uh, Rome, because, uh, you know, Greg has been saying, he, don't be surprised. Malik could be the first wide receiver chosen. Why, why do you favor Harrison? Harrison, I, I just it's, it's the size, the speed combination, the ability to, to the wide cat, the catch radius, and I guess it, he's a guy that for me I guess plays an X receiver, right? Mm -hmm. Again, neighbors talented after the catch guy, a guy that I get is more of a DJ Moore than he is an X receiver. So I think I think that would be two two of a similar kind, but again, not not the end all be all, right? You can always go get your X in later on in the draft. I just like Marvin Harrison Jr. for his ability to, to make contested catches. Obviously, the, the bloodlines is also a plus there as well. So I, I do like that as well. You know, uh, uh, Roma Donze, he's a guy that's that's a physical, you know, X type receiver, a guy that makes plays on a football field as well. But I just like Harrison Jr. because he's got the size and speed. You know, there, there there's rumblings he's going to run a four four forty, somewhere in that range at the combine. We'll see. Uh, but again, you know, just that combination of size, speed, and big playability. I think that's why I, I would think Marvin Harrison Jr. would be a perfect complement to. DJ Moore, we talked about some of the tight ends you bring in for agency, whether it's Noah Fent, Harrison Bryant, something like that to compliment, you know, um, Cole Komet. You got your running backs in the backfield, and then you got Justin Tone the Rock or whoever, you know, whoever you have. If it's not Justin, uh, I think now you give yourself a, a legitimate offense to go ahead and attack, attack uh, defenses. Yeah. All right. And so, again, to close the show, just your thoughts on this Hall of Fame class, if indeed the reports from the Sun-Times are correct. Right. Obviously, you know, three, three different Bears – uh, you know, three different kind of feelings, right? McMichael, you know, that, that old guard, you know, 85 team. He was, he was a guy, you know, growing up watching football. He was always the guy that I felt like never got the the credit he deserved. You know, he was, he was a key member of, of that defensive front, you know, next to Dan Hampton and, and obviously Richard Dent and, and, and later on, you know, um, William Perry and all that stuff. So I think he's a guy that when, when he went to Green Bay, that, that really hurt me. Like, that was my first time being like hurt by a, a player. Well, I'm sorry. Second time. First one was Wilbur Marshall going to Washington. 
Second one was McMichael when he went to Green Bay. So he's mm-hmm. always been a guy that 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 you know like that no nonsense, just you know just you know ass kicker, you know, and that defensive line. I think he never got his due. So you know, obviously his health right now is 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 is, is what it is. So it's, it's great. Hopefully, I'm just praying that you know he makes it and, and he gets he gets to a point where he could actually be there. You know, for the ceremonies. Um, Devin Hester, man, that that was a guy that you know, Greg. You know, when he, when he told me that story the first time when I was in his class, I was like, whoa, it was like that, that really like. That's as a draft geek going up. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to know. Is like, what happens? Like, how do you guys prioritize? How do you get, get you know all those you know those trades coming in now? Like, you know, imagine you know we did a mock draft a couple of years ago and we had all these trades come offers coming and we're like our heads were spinning right and we're just doing a mock draft. Right. Imagine if you're sitting there doing this live and all these trades are coming in. Like, how do you determine? And then just to, to know where you can go down and, and get that player. And obviously, you know, you know, Devin is the he's the guy that that to me made special teams a must watch right mm-hmm. anytime that that ball was was kicked punted you know Devin it was a must watch you have to watch and see what this guy did even on that that failed extra point in, in New York in Giant Stadium right he caught it and he returned it back for a touchdown he, that guy and I said earlier the most exciting start to a Super Bowl of all time was him taking that kickoff return and 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 taking it back you know to the house after you know Dungey yelling we're not gonna kick we're not kick to him so Hall of Famer, and he revolutionized the whole return game and, and everything. So, um, and then Julius Peppers, obviously, he was a guy that didn't start his career in Chicago, but but he was a guy that remember before the Bears got him, Lovey's defense was was failing, right? The, the old guard was leaving, you know, Ogunle and all those guys they weren't as 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 effective. I think Alex Brown might have been already gone to New Orleans. I'm not, I can't remember exactly yeah, sure, but yeah. but but he's a guy that that they went and they got him and. You always heard about him being this this big impact guy, and he was just he's a huge guy, but you know, and he didn't always get the the sack numbers. I don't know the first couple of years he got this, the the sack numbers were there, but again, just like with Cleo Mack, we've talked about in previous years, like the the amount of attention he gets, you know, with the the chips from the running backs, the chips from the tight ends, and you know, so the the impact he had on on that defensive line and 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 how he he took I think that that defense and put it all kind of over the top in terms of being such a great defense, and then obviously. You know the talent here in Chicago. The play kind of dipped a little bit. Not sure if that was him or the motivation, whatever. Then he went to Green Bay and had on a resurgence, and oh he was God. playing great with Green Bay. And I think he made a couple more Pro Bowls with Green Bay and, and all that stuff. So, so it's 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 a, it's a guy that started off great with Carolina, had a had a you know a good you know short term here in Chicago, and then ended up going to Green Bay and having you know kind of putting that cherry on top of his career. So definitely a guy. I'm just curious, you know, like is he going to go in? You know, as, as a Panther, is he going to go in as a Packer, as a Bear? I, I, I don't know. I, I know, I, I know they, don't put their, they don't put their helmets on, but I wonder right. if they. I think I had read a while ago, uh, months ago, that he was thinking about going in as a Panther. And that would make sense. That's a team that drafted him. He went to the Super Bowl with that team. So uh makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you the way you nailed down his career is exactly how I feel about it. Those years with the Chicago Bears were a little bit disappointing, uh, but the fact that the Bears went out, got him, you know, kudos to them. You know, they the Bears have had a history of of seeking out certain players and making it happen in trades during the Jerry Angelo days. You know, the trade for Jay Cutler, you can agree or disagree with it, but he went out and got a guy who many consider could be a number one quarterback and Julius Peppers and then Mohammed, the receiver. Absolutely. I mean, you know, in our lifetime, I think Danny, 
that's one thing you can't fault the Bears on, that they have gone out, gotten some key players via the trade. And so it's going to be interesting to see if they get another one during this. But you got to be close, right? You got to be close to the to the to the peripheral where you're like, all right, this one player puts me over the top, and that's when yeah. you're going to make you strike hard. Right, indeed. All right, tomorrow it'll be Dan Aguirre and myself talking about Hester. I, I can't wait to hear Dan. Dan's got this photographic memory, so he'll tell you the 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 down and distance when Devin Hester caught that 80-yard touchdown pass against whatever team in the week, whatever. I can't of hear what Dan's uh, McMichael stories. Yeah, exactly. So we've got a lot of people in the Barroom uh, Network who will share good stories. Maybe I should call Mike North, too, because I'm sure he's got some uh, Mongo McMichael stories. You know, when I when he, during that, that 85, 86, 87 season, he was uh, brought in by NBC Sports Chicago on their Sunday night. I used to watch it. Yeah. My goodness, he would show up wasted yeah. in a Sometimes he would have a knife, and I'm thinking to myself, this might not end up good for Mark Greco. I think it was Greco who did the show with him back then, if I remember correctly. And, you know, he was he was dangerous because it looked like an F-bomb was going to slip out of his word. He was going to flash that knife around, making people in the control room uh, uncomfortable. He was quite the madman, and, I mean, he's got an incredible story to share, but it's, it's so good that – that he's getting in, and hopefully he'll be there and uh, be able to enjoy it like we will. We should make a trip to Canton, uh, Danny. Road trip. Let's go. Road trip. Yeah. We've got to be able to broadcast from there. It's like, oh. We can make it logistically happen. we got to do it. Yeah. Okay. I'll uh, start so making well, wait, so, uh, I, I, I don't know if you know this answer or not. I don't want to put you on the spot, but the Hall of Fame game, isn't it picked up based upon who gets the many players into the – Hall of Fame in that class. So yeah. three, are they a potential Hall of Fame game candidate? Well, uh, I don't know the answer to that, but I think that you're right, is that usually there's at least one member from that Hall of Fame class that they pick the, the team representing, you know, the, the game, in the game. So let's see if I do a quick Google search. Because if, if there's a three going in, they should, or, you know, three guys who play for the Bears, you know, with Peppers, I wonder if there there be a can that that means a fifth uh, or fourth preseason game. Yeah, you know, so that'd be uh that'd be interesting to find out. Yeah, I uh, Brendan Shigura tweets out. I don't want to jinx anything, but if the Bears do end up playing in the Hall of Fame game, it usually means a successful season is on the way. Uh, 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 no, because the Jets played a Hall of Fame game this past year, didn't they? Yeah, that's true. Well, Chicago has played in the Hall of Fame game five times. He means the Bears Hall of Fame game five times in their last four. four Four, they've gone to the playoffs that same year. So, hey, bring it on. So, right up Aaron, the Matt contract extension already. <laughs> Aaron Lemmy says, feels like the Bears might be a lock for the Hall of Fame game. So, hasn't been announced yet, but I'm sure it will very, very soon. And so, that would be a great, great trip to start off this 2024 season. So, we, we go to Hall of Fame game, we broadcast live, we watch the Bears preseason game, and yep, then we, we have a couple of beers. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, Danny, another great job, and what a show it was. Uh, today was – was, I, I, was, I was a fan today. Today I was just sitting back listening, asking some questions. Like I said, two of my favorite guys, Eric from the media side and, and Greg from the scouting side. And and to me, it was a pleasure. I, I was looking forward to the show, and I, I couldn't wait to start tonight, to be honest with you. I hope, I hope the guys in the, in the chat room and, and everyone watching this uh, enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 uh, it was exciting for me today for sure. Yeah. It was like we had Santa, which was, uh, Greg and, uh, Elf, which was Eric Edelman. <laughs> Elf was the, uh, uh, what's the character that played by, um, 
Uh, uh, geez, what's the comedian's name? Uh, it was on Saturday Night Live. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Thank you. Yeah, Eric comes off a little as a Will Ferrell type. <laughs> I can put a couple beers in him. Anyways, uh, Daddy and I are scheduled to take the week off next week because next Wednesday is Valentine's Day. So we might be uh, kind it's of. Because all those got Valentine. I don't. All those <laughs> We gotta work on that for you, Danny. <laughs> Maybe my wife and I will invite you for Valentine's dinner with a blind date. How how would you like that? All right, let's go. Look at that. Look at that. All right. Um, and so lots of women in the chat room volunteering to be your date for uh next week. No, no, no women. <laughs> All right, brother. I will see you then in two weeks, unless something big happens next week. And if, if so, then you know, maybe we'll do something on a Thursday or, or something like that. But either Sounds way, good. uh, we will uh our weekly content will continue for sure after that. And we've got some great guests planned, guest evaluators and so forth. And one of the things, and I was going to talk to Danny about this after the show, is I want to do a mock draft right after free agency and maybe do three mock drafts uh, leading up to draft week. So because I think, you know, uh, getting your thoughts about, you know, choosing player A over uh, player B or C in the third round with the first selection that the Bears have in the third round, I think that's really good discussion and can help us better understand how you are prioritizing players on your board. All right? Sounds good. We can do it. All right. Take care, everybody, in the chat room, and we'll see you all very soon. Bye-bye.